0: Well, hello, sports fans. Hello, 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 hello. Horror fans alike. What's going on? It's Ken Foray. I'm sitting here enjoying the evening, and I get this request from Pop Zara. Pop Zara, Pop Zara, Pop Zara. Pop Zara, Pop Zara, Pop Zara. Zara. I'm going to listen to Pop Zara. Pop Zara has a podcast you really want to hear. Pop Zara has a podcast tingling in my ear, what's going on, so, so, you're having horror fans, and you're having a great, great uh, uh, thing on Halloween, and the Halloween season, sounds wonderful, sounds absolutely fantastic, glad you're having a good time, enjoy this celebration, enjoy Pop Zara, and I never say the lie. I leave the line for the fans because it's an iconic line and it's one of the most (laughs) iconic lines in horror history. And for me to just throw it out and say it and say it and say it, I think it diminishes it in some way. And you finish it. That means you at PopZara, your fans who are tuning in as well, and everybody in the whole freaking world. Got it? All right, here we go. When there's no more room in hell... When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. That's right. <laughs> you got it. So you finished it for me, and I don't have to say it. Anyway, enjoy Pop Zyra. Pop Zara. I want to listen to Pop Zara. The Movie Time (laughs) Schlocktacular.
1: What's up, everybody? Ghouls and girls and all the demons in between. It's the Movie Time Halloween Schlocktacular for 2023. That's right. Not a spooktacular. Schlocktacular. And when we tell you the movies we're going to be talking about for this Halloween, you'll understand why it's schlock. Once again, this is Nathan Evans, managing editor of Popzara.com, trying to do a spooky voice and failing. And once again, I'm going to have someone else do the spooky voice, and that is the co-host, Mr. Ethan Brem. Ethan, welcome back. Hello. Oh God, we suck. You know, this is why people. This is people why those, are turning off the podcast. You are turning it off like what the hell was this? No, uh, it's hard doing spooky. It's hard doing schlock. Like I, I don't know, Ethan, if you if you experience this, but um, let's just say this up front. It's really hard to be a bad good movie, especially in a genre. There's a fine line between
2: intentionally bad and it looking intentionally bad. Like you're almost asking for laughs instead of anything else. But there, there. I mean, we have a, a, a few movies we're going to talk about. I think do a good job of of um, towing the line there. But I, I don't think you can do it anymore. I think it's. I think the days are over mm-hmm. where you can make something intentionally bad. And um, it actually looks like you're trying to make it good.
1: Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. Two of the films we're going to be talking about, two, have newer versions coming. Or have come or have coming. In fact, one of the movies we're going to be talking about, and I'll give you a little spoiler, Ethan. One of the movies you picked has a remake coming next year. Oh. Isn't that nuts?
2: I'm not sure which one
1: it is. Uh, Because I didn't hear about this. Isn't this nuts? So... Yeah. With, without further ado, let us talk about. So we we picked two movies this year that met a very small criteria: low budget, uh, older, schlocky, horror, and if they have comedy, even better. But I don't think that was a prerequisite. But I think we both kind of we so, we both kind of came to Jesus on this, and we kind of picked four that are well within this wheelhouse. So uh, yep. my movies, my movies, my movies, my movies are 1986's Troll not troll 2 not the worst best movie or whatever they call it no 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 troll just troll 1986 and the second is leprechaun 4 in space that's right he goes to space so anything what are your two films my two movies are street
2: trash from 1987 and phantom of the mall eric's revenge from 1989 so almost all of them are in the 80s except for uh, leprechaun which is it feels tangentially 80s i think yeah, a little bit i think the word is
1: vestigially 80s yeah like yeah. It's like like a tail like a like your beautiful baby girl that's born with a big tail like yeah it's almost perfect so but it's something right uh i will say this i said this to you before either you pick some movies this time uh normally mm-hmm. normally now did you tell me that you didn't watch e- either of these before you picked them yeah, so um, both of them had been
2: on my watch list for a long time, and um, I just never pressed play on them. And I we we were talking about doing this podcast and picking something schlocky, and and I was like going through my watch list, and and these two kind of instantly came out, uh, like popped out at me, and um, I realized that uh, I think these are the two I went. At least at least Street Trash. I was like that one for sure, and then I went between. Um, Phantom of the Mall and a couple other ones, but I settled on this one because it was just, uh, it felt, this, the title itself just sounds like an 80s movie, and I wanted something that I knew was going to be like, have that pop culture 80s vibe to it, while also doing like a horror thing, like the MTV 80s thing, so.
1: I will say this, I don't, I, I said to you before the show, that I mean, during the intro that I said one of these is being remade, and mm-hmm. others are sort of being remade-ish. Um, I was gonna say they wouldn't make these movies today, but sadly, I think they're going to remake these movies today, and and somehow they'll be worse. I, I, yeah. Oh, they they won't be better. <clears throat> I mean,
2: we the if anyone saw if any the three people who saw <laughs> the uh, sorority babes at the slime ball bolarama two that came out was this year or last year. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, the first movie is not a good movie anyway, but. Um, it at least has that eighties charm that I don't think is a lot of these dr- are driven by charm. Let's be honest. I mean, I think, I think there are mm-hmm. a couple, um, on our list here that, that are, I honestly just like re- pretty good fun movies in their own right. But, um, two or three of them, I think need the charm of the eighties slash nineties to, to get the job done.
1: Yeah. They don't, I don't think any single one of them hits like, you know, it hits all eight cylinders, but I think most of them yeah. come close. Uh and I will say this real quick. Uh, I blame a lot of this on Quentin Tarantino, a name that will come up <laughs> sub- shockingly again in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, as someone who's into schlock and who has, you know, been a vocal supporter of schlock, but his type of schlock is usually like grindhouse schlock, and I think at least one of the films is more grindhouse than it is horror. And I think you know which one I'm talking about. But yeah, but yeah, well, let's explore. So, what do you want to do first? I think we can. I think we can. We can go odds and even, so who wants to go first, you or me?
2: Yeah, let's go in a, if we went in um, chronological order, we should start with Troll, I think, at least first. And then maybe go back and forth from there.
1: Okay, Troll. Again, not Troll 2, not, he's eating, they're eating her, and they're going to eat me. (laughs) Not that, not that movie, not the the best worst movie of all time. Uh, Let's talk about Troll. So this is where it all began. So, Troll, nineteen eighty six, directed by a very, very talented special effects man who we love on this podcast, by John Carl Buechler, uh, best known for Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, The New Blood, and Ghoulies Three: Ghoulies Go to College. So, <laughs> Troll, nineteen eighty six. Um, what? An, it's very original. It's about a boy who's isolated, right? Lives in a slum, um, discovers magical powers. His name's Harry Potter, and he has to use these magical powers to fight villains with magic. Mm -hmm. Except, it's not the Harry Potter you're talking about. And it's not the magic you're thinking about. It's something much else. So, um, I will say this, Ethan, um, before we get into the plot, because the plot is wackadoodle, um, I will say this. Have you ever seen Troll before?
2: No, none of these movies I had seen before, so I was... I'm I'm pumped to talk about four movies
1: I'd never seen before. Okay, honestly. me too. Me too. Because sometimes I think when you love a movie so much you get kind of inebriated yeah. with it. And exactly. you, you sort of shave off the rough edges and you you may remember it better than it actually was. Or uh, it's like baby pictures. It's like you're showing baby pictures to your friends. Now your baby your baby's gorgeous. Your baby's beautiful, it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with your baby. You have to share the perfection. But to everyone else it's just a baby. In fact, it may be an ugly baby. And they don't want to call it an ugly baby because they know you love it, and they know if you call, if they call your baby ugly, they won't, you won't respect them. They won't get presents anymore. So all babies are beautiful, but this baby is pretty beautiful. Um, I will say this: I actually like Troll quite a bit. Uh, spoiler: it's my favorite of all four movies on this list by a long shank. But I will say this: um, I understand that people don't like it, but let's talk about Troll. So. Troll is a movie that's more famous because it's not the movie that's famous. If, if, yeah. Because of its of a sequel and name only Troll 2, which has nothing to do with Troll, except they were both filmed in Italy. Uh, Troll 2 is considered one of the worst movies, if not the worst movie ever made. It's kind of fun to watch with friends, I'm not going to lie. Um, that's not Troll 1. Troll 1 is a semi-serious film. Uh, it's a very, 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 maybe a perfect example of something I like to call... High concept, low budget. I, I know you know what I mean, because we've talked about this before. Um, I, it's kind of a genre that disappeared in the 1980s, which we can get into. Um, you have a very small film, very low budget, mostly unknown actors, some of some of which would become the biggest actors in the world, which I'm not oh, kidding. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Uh, literally. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Literally. But I will say that, like
2: record-breaking, um, uh, some of these, uh, one of these people has some, some would, a say, the,
1: some would yeah. say the most successful person ever in her in her field. I would yep. say, yeah, uh, which is interesting. And you might doubt us until we say who it is. Um, but let's just say this: I, one scene, uh, like I said, it's almost like a play. Can I say? Can I call it a play? It's a single location. Yeah. Uh, the the concept is ultra fantastically high. The budget is shockingly low. But because you have very talented people pulling the strings in the background, it does a lot with the, with the concept. So the concept is, uh, again, the, the, the Potters, Harry Potter Senior and Harry Potter Junior, mom and sister, uh, for unknown reasons, are moving into this low-budget tenement. Uh, the tenement happens to be haunted by a troll. And the troll takes the form of a little sister. Little sister acts like she's, she belongs in some sort of institution or on medication. But in reality, it's a troll. And one by one she injects the neighbors with her magic ring, thus turning them into cocoons, gross cocoons that split open and from the <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face, from the cocoons emerge a magical fantasy land turning their apartments into fantasy world. And once the troll succeeds in turning all the tenements into fantasy creatures, then that world will overtake our world and the world will be fantasy land. Is that what do you think? Good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I love that the uh, they, they kind of um, did
2: a. Uh, have you seen Don't Look Now from the seventies with um, uh, Kiefer? Donald Sutherland.
1: Oh, I, You know what? I uh, I think I've heard of it. I didn't see it. I, loved, I love I love seventies Donald Sutherland though.
2: It, yeah, well, kind of. It kind of like uh, I I believe it was like the first movie to kind of have this this type of idea where like the I mean the little so their daughter. I mean this is not really a spoiler. Happens in the first two minutes. <laughs> um, basically, like literally dies like right away and it's like the first thing and the whole movie is about this thing and so like you know you see it in like Poltergeist oh. uh, later on and then you see it in, and a similar thing happens in this movie they're all like little blonde girls that kind of have like yes. strange <laughs> strange faces I guess um, um, and and th- that's what happens the first literal minute of this movie this girl, little girl gets taken and you, the whole pretty for most of the movie you think she's dead um, you think that she just got killed like all these other people or turned into something. Um, and so it's kind of like a, a staggering way to start a movie, especially like an 80s schlock movie. Um, and it kind of goes from there. And the whole time, the brother, who's by the way, is played by mm-hmm. a Troyu him, himself, Noah yes. Hathaway. By the way, if you,
1: if, if you don't know who that is, he's the one with the horse.
3: Yeah.
2: And, yes, yeah, the yeah, dying he, horse yeah and uh he's the he's the main he plays harry potter in this movie um and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he's harry potter jr i should say and uh and he totally like doesn't like his sister and it's pretty clear he hates her even before she turns into a troll um and and so he's kind of even just ambivalent about the fact that she's not there and he doesn't even really discuss oh my sister's dead or like you know oh my sister got kidnapped like he's just the the way that the mysteries kind of get revealed to us and to him are kind of almost nonchalant, um, which is interesting. I kind of like that approach to it, and it kind of becomes more of this. It's almost like a subdued, like uh, like it has like a stoned effect
1: to it. If that makes sense. Um, see, we're leaving out some of the best parts. Um, yeah, the tenants are all played by lunatics, so <laughs> including. Let's just go. Let's just say it right now. Yeah, uh, this movie has Sonny Bono in it. That's right, as bonkers, Sonny, like totally bonkers. Sonny bonkers Bono. sex feed. Um, if yeah. you if you pause the film and look at his apartment, his apartment. First of all, I was watching with a friend. And they're like, they just asked Sonny Bono to show up and be himself because <laughs> he is gross. Yeah. He's disgusting in this movie. He's disgusting. Yeah. There is sex toys and sex stuff, but it's not like erotic sex. It's like character, like nineteen eighties characteristic sleaze ball slime sex and there's like uh phalluses in his apartment like like Mm -hmm. like statues with phalluses it's disgusting um and we let's just get this out of the way let's just get this out of the way um the this has one of the best actresses in television history um you might know like let's just say who it is it's none other than june lockhart that's right the mom from lassie a stone cold fox one Of the greatest, yeah. Oh, and uh, someone in Julia Louise Dreyfus, I don't know who she is, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, this is the film debut of Julia Louise Dreyfus Seinfeld. Yeah. The, the MCU is run by an actress from Troll,
2: it's incredible.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh,
2: and 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 yeah, and in, in over the course of the move of the movie, you kind of learn about each of these tenants. Um, And it's kind of interesting how it kind of takes this episodic approach where it becomes more about, like, they have a protagonist in Harry Potter, Noah Hathaway, it sounds weird to say Harry Potter, <laughs> but it, they have a protagonist in the form of Harry Potter, but it, it doesn't, it's not solely revolved around him either. And you, you do get to learn about these different characters and see their
1: episodes play out and it's really cool how it approaches that too. I will say this, though, um, what, what sets this movie apart, what makes me actually like this movie, despite the fact it being a schlock and low budget, um, is the fact that there obviously was some sort of background done on it. And I think it was evident even when I saw it as a kid, um, you know, long before I knew... See, at a certain point, Ethan, when you are growing up, I, you grew up in the age of DVDs and everything, but when you grow up with, like, the only way to see a movie is on TV or a theater, right? You, when you're younger, you didn't know a movie could be bad. Like, how can a movie be bad? How could it be bad? Like, you didn't know there was bad special effects. You just thought, okay, that's just what this creature looks like. It looks like a puppet. It's got no mobility. It moves its tongue. But with Troll, right from the beginning, you have some pretty good monster makeup on the titular Troll. And um, and you have not so good makeup on on everything else in the film. But um, they look like Walmart Muppets. But but, uh, can we just... Look, I'll just say this... Um, a little background: This movie came out what, nineteen eighty-six? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a post-Gremlins world, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Gremlins unleashed mm-hmm. something called—I just call it the—I call it the Ghoulies, which this director worked on. You had so many derivatives of, of you know, of of these things: Ghoulies, Munchies, Critters. You had puppet monsters. You had. Honestly, I can't even remember how many derivatives of these things, and, and they get increasingly worse as you go along, but yeah. they're kind of fun. Like, if you ever watch, I, I, I have a soft spot for the munchies, but, you know, the same director directed Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. You know what? They actually go to college. Like, sometimes when you watch these monster movies, they promise the creatures going to go somewhere. Like, Jason goes to Manhattan. He doesn't really go to Manhattan. It's a lie. The promise of Manhattan is not there. But ghoulies yeah. go to college. You know, like Leprechaun in space. Leprechaun goes to space. You know? He does like, go to space. He does yeah. go to space. So, But with Troll, it's just Troll. So I want to say that as impressive as everything is, for me, you actually you realize there's kind of a story here. There's kind of a background. There's kind of some relationship with these characters. And I know it's, it's scant. I'm pulling at strings. But you kind of feel like it, it kind of works for me anyway like the story doesn't just blow smoke it actually makes a little bit of sense um just enough so you don't feel cheated at the end that you're just watching schlock and broken promises so but what do you think yeah and and, and there's enough little moments in there that
2: uh you can take away too like I I really liked the scene with the little person who kind of has this really heartfelt monologue um to the troll and the troll actually sympathizes with seems to sympathize with with um, this man, and um, it oh, plays out—no yeah. spoilers—but it plays out in, a, in an interesting way. And like, but just the the monologue that th- this movie just dives into this really heartfelt moment, um, kind of headfirst. And um, I thought that was an interesting moment in any any schlock movie, especially like a Charles Band <laughs> movie. Um, I don't know <laughs> if you're a Charles Band fan, but um, I'm, I, I like some of his stuff. Uh, this one included.
1: Well, I was gonna say um, you mentioned the little person. Um, that would be, you know, Phil Fondacaro, um, a man whose name I did not know. Like, let's be honest here. Let's let's just get this out of the way. Um, if you're a dwarf actor or a small person actor in Hollywood for a very long time, all you played was monsters or elves or hobbits or creatures yeah. or little or amputees or whatever. And you know, Phil Fondacaro Munchkins. or Munchkins. He was one of them. He was actually one of the biggest, um, biggest dwarf actors of the 1980s and 90s. He was all over the place, and I've been watching this movie my whole life, and I did not know that he actually plays the troll, as well as the, oh, yeah, he actually okay. plays the troll as well as the professor who lives next door. And you know, there's that little scene when let's be honest, where he saves the little girl slash troll from getting hit by a car, and so the, obviously the troll has some affection for him. And they become friends, and he invites him over for. And the parents think that it's going to be another child, and they get milk and cookies out for him. And he yeah. shows up, and he's obviously an adult, and you know he just he wants something a little different. Um, there's there's a little bit of depth here, and especially you know the scene you mentioned when he talks about you know, no spoiler he's dying and his body's giving out. And she basically, the troll basically performs, like, a mercy killing by turning him into, like, reincarnating him into, well, first, you know, the cocoon monster, but, but then, like, a little tiny baby, baby troll elf. And Well, he it, talks
2: about how he's always related to, like, fairy tale creatures in a sense, and, like, he always kind of, like, this weird dream that he wishes he was one, but it was never possible or something like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I mean... Obviously maybe that comes from a little bit of person his own personal life is always trying you know, I can't imagine what it was like when, you know, you're trying to make it in a career where literally like there's a a big person ceiling. You're not going to go beyond it. And it it really does make you appreciate people like Warwick Davis, you know, aka Leprechaun or Peter Dinklage a little more, where they they broke the you know, they broke the rule on that. And we don't thankfully that's just not a thing anymore for the most part. And that's pretty cool. You know, No, Phil Fondacaro walked so Peter Dinklage could fly. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's true. A-
2: also, also I do. <laughs> That's true. No, it's true. I just uh, I've never I've, I've never heard it put like that. Um, I I do want to say too. It, it was interesting that this was. It, it's well known. Oh, it's well known if you're into these movies that this was filmed back to back with TerrorVision and John yes. Carl Buechler worked on as a special effects. Uh, the main dude, I think, on Terror Vision. And I also thought... And they're both from, I think, in Italy. And I thought it was interesting because when I was watching this, um, the Sonny Bono character reminded me... Of, <laughs> have you seen
1: Terror I have, I have seen Terror Vision. I do not remember Terror Vision, but I yeah, know so, I've seen it.
2: So the parents are swingers, and they're very, like, you know, um,
3: <laughs>
2: in love with the set. Like, they're they're not letting go of the 70s, and they, they have, like, all these weird phallic symbols and, like, sexual paintings and stuff all over their house. In the room, and um, this Sonny Bono character totally reminded me of the dad from Terrorvision. I just thought it was interesting that they're actually connected. Yeah, um, well, at, you know, as re- and they were released the same year too.
1: You know, it's funny. If, uh, again, uh, the the director, you know, John Carl Buechler. If you look in the background, you'll see there's this really fun painting that's obviously of him, and he's posing with a Ghoulie, and it's just sticking. Oh, cool. the, it's just in the background, just sitting there, just waiting for <laughs> you to discover it. Um, yeah. But look, I mean, there's not much to talk about, like back, you know, back talent. But if you look at his resume, if you look at the stuff he's looked at, he's been he's been involved on in a lot of really fun movies. Like I said, he's he worked on Reanimator, he worked on Ghoulies, Your Movie Television. Uh, he worked a lot with um, oh goodness, uh, Stuart Gordon. I know he worked on From Beyond and some other things too. Yeah. I mean he's been involved in Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. I think one of the only people that's involved in almost every major franchise except for like Child's Play. Um yeah, and, he really has been. Yeah, and and you know what's funny, he was working right up till he uh, sadly passed away from cancer and they were trying to remake Troll. Um there's been some there's a there's some other like non-canonical versions of Troll out there and there we can talk about that later, but I know that Again, when most people think of Troll, Ethan, they think of Troll 2, and possibly for good reason because it is so it is so self-referentially silly and you know stupid, but it's fun. But again, this I don't think Troll is like that. I think Troll is genuinely a fun 80s movie. Um, And I was going to ask you a question about this. I I said it's high concept, and it is pretty high concept. Um, It's relatively I don't want to say slow. It's like it's relatively benign like the shocks don't come at you every second it takes its time to breathe
3: yeah. um
1: if they remade this movie now this is this is a movie that i think could be remade but do you think having better special effects would make it a better movie or do you think it has to be like in that netherworld of low budget um,
2: See, see it's an interesting movie too because first of all it's pg-13 mm-hmm. um and so and there were not a lot of these movies back then that were pg-13 i think you started seeing them crop up in then late 90s maybe like with the ring and stuff you had more of a people trying to push for pg-13 ratings trying to get to the teen market in theaters but mm-hmm. um i think that with this i think the thing that would make it better for a modern, maybe not modern audience, but just as a movie would make it a better movie, was maybe um, I think that its biggest issue is it wasn't sure if it was a horror movie or a fantasy, and it mm-hmm. kind of takes a slasher pretense, but it's not a slasher. There's no real palpable threat to the characters. They don't they they don't die. They just become these fairy tale creatures, but um, you know we're not seeing them get massacred and, and like. Well, suffering, quite the opposite. Than like the one, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Like he actually shows compassion a little bit. Um, yeah, but then, but real quick, uh, like the, there's not much more to talk about besides that. But, uh, but then, mm-hmm. but this movie for a very low budget. I don't know what the budget is, but I, I imagine it's probably under like 10 million, maybe, maybe even closer. To oh yeah, five. sure. It's five. I think it's five and a half. And, or no, no, sorry. That was
2: a box office. It was uh, 700 to 1.1 million. 700,000 really? to 1.1. Yeah,
1: wow, that's insane. Like that's incredible. Uh, but you mm. have you have full sets. You have name. You have. I mean, Sonny Bono may not be a huge actor, but he's something. Like, let me put it this way: yeah. he was a he was a congressman. He helped write one of the Michael biggest sets. Yes, I was going to say Michael Moriarty, um, who I want to get into. So you have Sonny Bono and you have Michael Moriarty. You have Julie Louise Dreyfus, who wasn't a big thing then, but but you have them, and they're all performing. They all have, the set is good. The special effects are, are are good for what they are. You even have a musical number. Like with a, a written in elfish language, that's actually pretty catchy. Like the soundtrack's pretty good. Yeah. You know, you you have a movie that feels complete. It doesn't feel cheap. Like it feels low budget, but it doesn't feel cheap in a way that I think um, you know these type of things would be. I mean, look at Troll Two. Troll Two feels cheap. You know, they, they feel, it looks like they bought the costumes at like Spirit Halloween, or made them at home. But it's just I don't know. I, I respect this movie on a lot of re, on a, for a lot of reasons. But I think the reason I respect it the most is because it has integrity and maybe that maybe that's why it's not like a stone cold classic because it's, it doesn't go too far in any one direction it almost god you're going to kill me for saying this it almost feels Spielbergian Like I can I see what you mean yeah like you know you have like a movie that came out at the same time like Batteries Not Included which is the same exact concept you know a tenement with crazy characters and heartfelt stuff But but let me ask you a question real quick it's very light on story, but the dad, Michael Moriarty, and the, and the poor mom. You ever notice they spend the entire movie just sitting in their apartment doing nothing like they only show up at the end? Like, but you, you see them throughout the movie. But the dad, Michael Moriarty, Harry Potter Sr., um, what's his deal? Because there's a scene in the movie where he just he's obviously high as a kite and he rocks out to really lame <laughs> fart rock. But what's going on here? What do you think? What do you think their story? Why do Why do you think they had to downgrade to a slum?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think that might be even a uh, like a Charles Band thing. I, I like a lot of. I mean he's the producer on all these movies, and mm-hmm. I know that he's big into like he was trying. Um, first of all, let uh, for those who don't know, Charles Band is a mm-hmm. big player, and the reason why um, studios started going towards VHS in the late '70s and early '80s, he was one of the first guys to like start buying. Uh, like releasing movies straight to mm-hmm. video like there was not a straight to video market really before Charles Band took over i think it was empire he had, or wizard he had a couple of studios
1: but um the first one might have been when we King's um wizard well, we, yeah. do, when we talk about um about leprechaun i do i was going to mention trimark and basically the whole idea mm-hmm. how these movies evolved like the movies that would have never hit the theater you know were born out of this direct to video market yeah yeah, and, and well, and and also you had you
2: had, so so you if you're releasing things direct to video, and I troll was not direct to video, but if you're if that's kind of your mo, um, you're going to try to tackle like the the teen market, like AIP, so like AIP movies, you watch those, like the adults are idiots, like the adults mm-hmm. don't do anything, they're worthless, and so Charles Band I think really took a page out of that, um, the AIP. Who Roger Corman um, yes. worked with? FP for some for some time, but um, I, I think that was really just what the approach was. And again, you didn't have studio before Charles Band Studios. You didn't have entire studios dedicating their libraries to horror. You had them dedicating a big chunk of it, maybe, or like to the teen audience, but not just to horror and schlock until this guy came about and. So I think he was really just trying – I think that's why the parents are like that. And you see uh, in other movies, the adults are either not
1: in there at all or they're, you know, not really doing anything or they're stupid. Yeah, exactly. Like you go to – with Sonny Bono's character, you go to his his whole house is decorated like, like cheap porn. You go to The Hunter, you know, the, the right-wing conspiracy. It's all decorated yeah. like Cabela's. You know, you go upstairs yeah. to Eunice and she's, it's where she got a talking mushroom. You know, everybody's house, except, you know, looks like who they are. It's, you know, they let you know who their person, what their personality is. And it's, I know it's stereotypical, but to me, it adds a dimension of lightheartedness. Like a, like a child could watch Troll and ooh, look at that gross, but also be fascinated because it's safe danger. Like you could, you would let your, like you would let your preteen watch this movie because I don't think anybody's having a nightmare out of Troll. No, so yeah, it's a great gateway horror movie, I think. But I also think there's there is genuine imagination. And I think when you have genuine imagination, like it can overcome things like budget up to a point. It can over when you have talent, it can overcome these things. And I think Troll, for all its faults, it's not really a bad movie. Like it's no. it's not quite so bad that we can make fun of it. Um, it's clearly not like a masterpiece, but it's it's. I think it's hard is in the right place. I think the performances are a lot of fun. I think the makeup, especially on the troll, and uh, is wonderful. I think just the concept of the cocoon bodies becoming this conjoined world, and like you said, it's got one of the best like little blonde girls in peril. Because if you were a little blonde girl in the 1980s, you probably weren't making it through the movie, or if you were, you were going to be kidnapped, possessed. You're going to be you know. Uh, sacrificed like it just it wasn't a good time to be an 80s girl an 80s little blonde girl it just wasn't so but no i think i
2: yeah, think it does yeah i i yeah it was a good abstract movie too like the it doesn't take like like it kind of like you said it's thin in some places but i think it's just very abstract in the way it moves about and it just it reveals its mysteries it reveals its story in a pretty unique way i think um, especially with the when you get to the June Lockhart's character too. I,
1: I was going to say my final thought is June Lockhart is my favorite character in the movie. Um, yeah, I I don't know about you, but I love this whole thing that you wouldn't have now because you can't have like older person mentoring a younger person because there'd be some yeah. sort of impropriety regarding this. But this movie basically has the Mister Miyagi Danielson thing going on with um, June Lockhart's you know Eunice and uh, the kid, Harry Potter. He, he goes to the he goes to the slum tenement and he immediately becomes best friends with this old lady who just happens to be a witch who just happens to have like an arsenal of weapons that can destroy the evil elven monsters <laughs> but her attitude is fun she's got that no you know no shit taking attitude and yeah. um no spoilers but at the end when she just for one reason or another decides to become young again uh that's her daughter in real life yeah Anne Lockhart. Ann Lockhart. Yeah, and and, Lockhart, yeah.
2: and, and uh, she's still um, June Lockhart's still alive by the way. She's is she still is she still alive? Yeah,
1: she's almost a hundred. Yeah, you know, there's a whole genre of movies where they took really like chaste, sort of domesticated women of 1950s TV, and then yeah. reborn them as like cool, dirty talking older women. Like I I know the one that springs to mind the most is probably Airplane, when you had a uh, oh, what's her face uh, from Leave It to Beaver. You know, yeah. she's like, "Top Josh. Yeah. yeah." And you yeah, see, I <laughs> yeah. What's up? Send me some soul. But it's, but no, it's. But I love her character. I think she's a genuinely have, fun character. And then
2: you have Florence Henderson uh, was in like Dickie Roberts. Oh like yeah, she yes, does so, some that's another one. Stuff later on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she even kissed uh, the original. Shakes the clown. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, shakes the clown. My gosh, yeah. She plays like his lover or something at the beginning.
1: And there's more too, by the way. I think Betty White technically is another one who got re- yeah. who got reinvented. But it's, yeah, it's, I love that genre because that's, that's sort of, that's how you break the ceiling, boy. That's how you break the grass ceiling. You become dirty and nasty and funny, and that's how you do it. You don't have to be sexy, but you can be dirty, nasty, and funny. And, uh, and for that reason, June Lockhart is my favorite character. Um, yeah, me too, I think. I will say this. Uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus doesn't do a lot, but I think she's, God, this sounds weird to say it now because she's become the older lady. Uh, she's, she's a little bit of TNA in here. Um, as far as this movie can go she's real close but you know what is it, 86? wow, in five years she would be on the biggest sitcom almost ever well,
2: here's the thing too right now in real life she's older than June Lockhart was in this movie
1: yeah, but that's but this that's 1980s old. Like I know in 1980s you could have like she's 62 though. She, she, Julia Lewis dreyfus yeah. is 62. She, she but you know modern medicine makes older women look yeah. better now. But it's, know, um, it's wild. but like the Golden Girls would have to be like 80 to be yeah. golden now. You know, <laughs> but back then they're all in their 50s.
2: And They seemed old though. Yeah, they,
1: they were 1980s old because they covered up with those shoulder pads and those you know I don't know what you call them, basically uh, drapery. As dresses, you <laughs> know they weren't really showing yeah. anything. But um, but no, it's uh, like I said, it's a lot of fun. I'm glad she's still alive, by the way. I I, I, mm-hmm. I get to that point, you ever get scared because you feel like if you look somebody up and you find out they're dead, they're dead. Like yeah, like oh my god, they were oh, still like alive right after. You know, or, or like yeah, or, pre- I was
2: gonna say, pretty much everyone from this movie except for Sunny Bono is still alive.
1: Yeah, I can't. That's we can't say the same. But some of the other movies we're going to talk about because um, some yeah. of them have passed away recently. So, mm-hmm. but I was going to say, uh, yeah, I could talk about Troll for a little bit longer, but probably not much longer. But I think it's time to move on. So, yeah, six's Troll gets my thumbs up. I really recommend it. Um, just you know, go in with an open mind. It's not Troll two, but if you open mind it, and by the way, <laughs> it's not. It's not Troll 2. It's, it's better. Yeah, it's better than Troll 2. But I'll tell you this, though. Um, don't be fooled with Harry Potter. This did it first. This was yeah. original. This was this was original. All right, so what's next? Next, we got. Um, let's you want to move on to Street Trash? Let's go, Street Trash. I've been waiting all day for this. Let's do it. So Me too. Take, um, it, take it away. This is your movie. So
2: this, so this is uh, uh, like your favorite of the bunch, of Troll. <laughs> Mine was Street Trash. Um, well, re- I think we should rank them at the end, but um, sure. my th- number one, I'll, I'll say right now, is Street Trash. I think it's basically, so, from 1987, directed by, what was this guy's name? J. Michael Murrow. was that his name? Yeah. He, well, um, known f- kind of, he's yeah? he, he
1: has, like, several names.
2: Yeah, he, he went by something, Jim Murrow or something back then, but now he's known as J. Michael Muro. He, he This is his only directorial feature, However, he mm-hmm. is a pretty prolific and storied camera operator, and um, he's for done big some DP work. Big names. Yeah, he's done, he's done Titanic, T2, like a lot of James Cameron stuff. He was the DP on the Best Picture winner, Crash. Um, and he was also on the, the cinematography team that won Dances with Wolves the Oscar yeah, for Best Yeah, he's part of an party.
1: Academy Award winning team. Um, yeah,
2: and and, and you and I was noticing this while I watched it. Um, I love the camera work in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, that's, that's noticeable brilliant.
2: Like, it's very inspired. There's there's like a language to the camera that I don't think really most other 80s movies don't have. Um, and, and it really adds, I think, to the
1: effects here. Um, well, I Yeah, was gonna, this is my first time watching Street Trash, and I loved it. I was going to say, the very first thing you notice after the bums is how good the steadicam is. It's not the steadiest steady cam, but it yeah. follows the characters running. And for people who don't know, usually in low-budget movies, you have like cheap crane shots... Or you have pictures of people running but the cameras stay but this the camera this is flexible this camera is all over the place and it's a lot of fun it 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 really does a lot with movement which is really fun to watch yeah. by the way
2: and and i wonder if like richard linklater kind of was inspired by this or like um i'm i'm or like the safty brothers i saw a lot of safty brothers mm-hmm. in, in this movie. or like um, michael bolandic is one of my favorites who also same deep uh, sean price williams is a DP
1: for both of those guys. Well, they um, say, um, they say Brian Singer actually worked on the cameras in here with, as a, as a grip. He'll go figure. That's right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I think the,
2: yeah, the camera work is awesome in this movie. Um, but that's, I think it gets overshadowed by a lot of the other stuff, things that this movie does. <laughs> um, so let me, I'll just dive into what it's Let's about. It, let, what's it uh, about? Synopsize. Essentially, it's about a encampment of homeless people who start dying off because, his local liquor store starts <laughs> find uh, selling really really cheap booze and so that was recalled. he starts selling yeah that was recalled and he starts selling them for like a dollar a bottle and he's like oh why is this whatever i have this whole he had like cases and cases of this stuff and um, so he starts selling it and the and the homeless people start buying it up and one by one they each get <laughs> instantly melted into bright neon really actually kind of beautiful well, looking
1: can um, we say, slime. It looks like the food from Hook, like Steven Spielberg's Hook, like <laughs> that fake food that they're eating that looks yeah. like 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 colored yogurt.
2: Yeah. No, that's a good <laughs> no that's a really good reference point. Yeah. And it, and it does though. It and but it looks really attract the way that the the kills and the death scenes happen in street trash is actually kind, it's really attractive. And, and you want to, it makes you on a literal level want to keep seeing it happen. Um, on top of the fact that just the way that their bodies are getting destroyed is like a, a gore fan's like wet dream. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was awesome. And just Street Trash for me, it, it earned my top spot of these four simply because I thought that it was had some real depth to it. Um, you have the homeless encampment, and um, you know you have a lot of '80s movies,
1: and even well, before you and after saying, that. Even you, you keep saying homeless, right? This is the mm. '80s. These aren't homeless. These are hobos. Like we okay. didn't we didn't learn the word homeless until we got smarter. <laughs> like it was hobos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're hobos. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. Well. Well. So yeah, they they start dying from this neon colored mush. Um, however, <laughs> like. Um, unlike a lot of slasher movies or horror movies, the alcohol itself which is what's killing these people is not use, is not is not weaponized by anyone no one is deliberately saying I want to kill these people like, like you have you know Freddie Krueger, uh, Chucky mm-hmm. Fre- uh, Jason where he's whatever who are literally killing people then you have the nature side of things jaws, piranha like things that are just okay you can succumb it to that's just nature this is literally just a, um, a matter of it existing and the and it's really the homeless people who, they're painting it as though the homeless people are actually kind of killing themselves with this alcohol, but then well, it di- dives even deeper into that, and it's like, okay why are these people homeless? Why are the crazy ones crazy? Why are wh- what do these people who hate them, because they show people who hate the homeless people including the liquor store owner, yet he's not selling it to them knowing it's going to kill them, he just is like, yeah, you know, get a job type of thing
1: Well, I thought um I I, I was reminded did you ever watch the old sitcom I love it Uh, Sanford and Son
2: yeah I've seen it I've seen
1: it yeah with um, you remember and and Sanford you know Fred Sanford would always talk about this drink he liked it was called Ripple right Mm. he's like I want some Ripple 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 and I looked it up because he was always talking about Ripple Ripple was this cheap liquor that was made for poor people right it was basically sold mostly to black people in the 1960s and 70s because it contained fruit like fruits fruit uh, fruit flavors it was really cheap. It'd get you drunk, but it was cheap, right? And it was targeted towards underclass. And that's, I kept thinking about that because they have this liquor store with this, uh, first of all, if you find out that your drink is melting people, like you don't just store it in the back, you destroy it, but no one cares because well, he obviously- know,
2: But he doesn't know though, because he doesn't find out until he takes a sip himself and then he dies.
1: Oh, you mean the uh, very stereotypically Jewish uh, liquor store owner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but you know what I mean like but if it obviously if it got recalled or, or stopped shipping there must be a reason clearly right but no one, yeah, exactly, no, one yeah. really, no one really well, cares well and
2: that's the thing like so a lot of people probably would compare this movie to this stuff which came out a year before by the but way with starring, stuff, starring
1: Michael Moriarty
2: Michael Moriarty yeah? yeah oh yeah he's the best part of that movie mm-hmm. yeah but this, unlike this stuff like in in street trash, there's no conspiracy. There's no like evil mastermind. Exactly. There's nobody trying to make a profit off of this. Really, it's just there, and and it's and it's really becomes about okay, like who, like we're kind of left to observe that it's the homeless people who are killing themselves with their own vices, or on the other hand, it's society's view of the homeless people that contributes to their inability to get out of this hole. Like you ha- kind of have both sides. You have the so the homeless people are, are camped up in this, um, um, what is it, like an auto junkyard, so, and like the owner yeah. of the junkyard hates that they're there, but he doesn't do anything with his assistant, becomes friends with these homeless people, um, but then on the other hand, you, you see every first of all, everyone in this movie, except for the one, the Asian girl and the, the guy that she likes is has both, we- almost all of them have bad and
1: good qualities there's no like uh, no, positive no. Well, I hate, to, I hate to say this, uh, the Asian girl, uh, she kind of sexes up a, a teenager. So that's true. This kid,
2: we don't know how old this kid is.
1: Uh, he, my... Well, they keep they keep talking like he's a. You know, they keep like he's like yeah. thirteen or fourteen. he or could, she's... Be, yeah, could be like eighteen, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know how old he is, I guess. But um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting too. And then at the junkyard, you have like the king of the hobos. Oh yeah, I call him that's the what punks? I called him.
1: I called him king, king of the hobos. King yeah. of the hobos. And,
2: yeah and, and, and so you have this guy and even with him like they show why he's crazy he apparently fought he's in Vietnam yeah he's a Vietnam vet and he kind of just has this PTSD and that's what makes him crazy so it's like is he he's not a villain because he chose to be he's just, just you know this circumstance has made him insane and, and really just a murderer and a, and just, a bully he just so. wants to sit on his hobo throne and rule yeah, and and then if you want to go, <laughs> yeah, this guy is so gross. Um, and if you want to go even deeper than that, um, the film also draws kind of some looser parallels to napalm. Um, and because, you know, for those who were burned by the jelly gas, mm-hmm. the source of poison didn't matter for those people. It was it, because once you're once you begin to physically melt you're not analyzing the culprit and this movie kind of does the same thing like i thought that too yeah that comes about who is attacking these people it just becomes about oh my gosh this guy is literally just dying well and it's so grotesque and so and there's like this weird sadness under it that i think um not really a lot of other horror movies can ever really accomplish without these kind of themes
1: well you know you're actually right like i think when you have a when you have movies that are um when you have movies that are based, like in the in the 1980s, you're having a you're having a generation that grew up with Vietnam as their de facto life event, you know. And you see this all the time, and and you, that's why if you go back to most movies in the late 70s and 80s, there's always that troubled Vietnam vet character, um, you know. The you've seen the photo, uh, the very famous photo of the children being scorched with napalm by the the photographer Nick Ut. Um, And very famously, the little naked girl running as her body was burned. Uh, That photo was very famous, won all the awards, won a lot of attention. But it really struck how Americans in the West that were, you know, sending these weapons over there to decimate cities with, you know, horrible napalm fires. they, They were upset, but they didn't really do anything about it. You know, oh, the people over there are literally... Melting and being burned to death, but eh, whatever. It's just—I mean, we're upset. We'll go out in the street. We'll protest a little bit, but it's—it's mm, it's not that big of a deal, you know. And, and this this movie totally taps into that, I think, too.
2: It from the homeless issue, homelessness issue, um, and you know, the antagonist Bronson is is for the same reason he's the antagonist is the same reason why he's homeless to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. And the movie kind of allows us to sympathize with him a bit as well and yeah I just thought I just thought it was the movie was really brilliantly done and, and again touching on the camera work
1: that just kind of added some some
3: well
2: um, I was I was yeah. astonished
1: to see Gerard Leto in this movie as the main button as Fred no I'm just kidding it's not but he looks just like Gerard Leto yeah yeah, yeah
2: he,
1: he would be in the remake he is, is ageless is
2: getting remi- yes. remade yes
1: Street Trash is being remade and um yeah it's a remake Is coming from director Ryan Kruger good good horror name by the way Kruger um, apparently he's done some other low budget things but I, I quoted him he says his new version which, which will be set in South Africa of all places Cape Town he says it promises it will be quote raw hilarious packed with vibrant characters and multicolored explosions of gooey greatness yeah you have to have the colors in it See that worries me a little bit because uh, this this movie that you picked is part of a genre called melt movies. I didn't know it was a genre but I'm not surprised. Um, you know I looked at some of the movies that people consider melt movies and I actually like quite a bit of them. And problem like a picture or what were we talking yeah, about? Yeah so I put a list uh, The Incredible Melting Man not a okay. great not a great movie came out in 77 but it's got really good makeup by Rick Baker. I believe it's one of his first movies. Um, like you said, the Toxic Avenger, the Trauma one, which is itself has a remake coming out with Peter Dinklage. There you go. Kevin Bacon and Elijah Wood. It looks promising. It looks interesting. Um, What what worries me a little bit, though, what worries me a little bit, it's gotten really good reviews, but I don't know if that's because it's a good movie or because people just haven't been exposed to trash in so long. Good trash. Yeah. Decent trash, at least. I think I saw a screenshot of uh, the Street Trash remake, and it, it looks like you know the goo from Nickelodeon, like the yeah, the, like that's what it looks like. Um, okay. Yeah, the, like yak. So we'll see what happens. But um, Toxic Adventure, da da da. They they consider Raiders of the Lost Ark a melt movie because of the melting Nazis. Yeah, okay. Um, the you. Fly, but you know, of course, and the Blob, which we've talked about some of these. So definitely the Blob. Yeah, the Fly though. I mean, that's just like body horror, I guess. I would yeah, so I mean, there is he kind of melts, but not really melting. But you know, he, he melts yeah. off. But well, it's... well,
2: speaking of Toxic, uh, the makeup effects uh, in in Street Trash was yeah. this by a lady named Jennifer Aspinall, and she yeah. was also the key makeup on Toxic Avenger, which I thought oh was makes sen- oh both makes both sense drippy
1: yeah makes sense gross like eyeballs yeah uh, I gotta give Street Trash some credit though. Um, we talked about Ghoulies, and I talked about how sometimes the Ghoulies movies and eighties movies delivered. uh failed to deliver the promise of the box. Um, yeah. Let's just say this. Can we say this? If you were a low-budget movie, probably like ten percent of your budget went to making really cool, really cool box art, because that's how you that's how you di- you know differentiate. You yourself. have yeah, and that and that's what got people watching. Yeah, movies, street, street trash like a lot of horror. I don't ask me why Ethan this is a thing, but a lot of horror, a lot of low-budget horror movies had pictures of people dying on toilets. So apparently, yeah. it's a phobia. Uh, street trash delivers like on the box; it shows somebody going down a toilet. And in the movie, the very first kill is someone melting yep. into a toilet. So it was almost like it was deliberate. Like
2: they're like, "Look, I'm going to actually have this scene in the movie." Unlike all these other movies, like chopping mall, which has like, nothing ghoulies. to do. They show goolies. Or like goolies, yeah. yeah. The toilet, I mean, yeah, the toilet.
1: It took like three movies <laughs> exactly. for him to pop out of a toilet.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, or like that. But I, I'm also wondering. I love this the box cover art. It's on a good. This. It's, it's I, it, a great box cover. It reminds me. I'm a huge Goosebumps fan. I've read the whole entire original series. Um, uh, and it reminds me. I'm wondering if uh the uh Tim Jacobus, who did the art for Goosebumps, it, it has a very uh PG uh, street trash vibe to a lot of the Goosebumps covers, which I think is interesting. Plus, the logo from Goosebumps is literally literally slime.
1: Um, so. <laughs> but I, you know, it's funny though. Like I said, like I told you, a lot of these people grew up watching this stuff, and maybe they didn't. Maybe they become desensitized to how this artwork looks, right? Yeah. But um, you know, what I mean, do you remember um, "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark"? Yeah, like the original books before they tried to destroy them. Like, mm-hmm. like they had like the you know the artwork is much more grotesque and memorable than the actual stories, and. Very recently, like ten years ago, they thought it was too scary, so they tried to scare it, you know, to to lighten it up a little bit and make it less scary. People went nuts. Like, no, you can't do that. You got to put the old artwork back, and they have. They've republished the original artwork. So, yes. So what, when I look at Street Trash, like that's the kind of poster you want on like your son's bedroom when he has like like visitors, like, yeah. and they, then you put it back in the closet. You just want them getting the wrong idea. Like, what the? yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You don't but want that on your son's bedroom. Man, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and we didn't even talk about the, uh, the scene. Um, the, oh, It has nothing yes. to do with slime. It yes. has everything to do with the football a scene? keep away game. Yeah, a keep away game. So, so Bronson, does he, cut off this man's penis who's urinating, mm-hmm. and then they proceed to play keep away with it. And by the way, this is not the
1: only penis cutoff scene of these four movies, by the way. No, no, it's a theme. Like, it's just a theme in general because it's the one thing that's visceral. Like, I will say this, though. Um, there were multiple penises used in this scene because some of them looked like dildos and then some of them They're were different. actually pretty good. Yes. You know, but, yeah, Preston, they are doing pickup shots for the penis scene. No, no spoilers, but I'm a little disappointed because they clearly show a dog in this movie. Like, a, <laughs> And I thought to myself... That dog is going to catch the penis and run away with it. That's why I, I genuinely thought because that's what usually happens in these movies. Yeah, exactly. Like the dog. Like when I say it usually happens. Um, yeah, let me let me get closer. There's lots of movies where penises get cut off and people play football with it. So this is one of them. Um, the dog doesn't get the penis. I'm actually disappointed. I hope they fix that in the remake. Be better. So, uh, what do you think of that though? I mean, I mean, it's obviously done for laughs.
2: Yeah. Oh, the the scene. Yeah, it's so silly. It probably just they, they thought of it and just it, it felt almost like impro- it has Nothing to do with the plot other than to just show more how this Bronson guy is a psycho. Um, but
1: yeah, I thought I thought what they did with the budget with the the with the uh, the trash yard with the car mm-hmm. was pretty pretty clever. That with was the, cool with the yeah. tires. Um, Had yeah, the very
2: explorers kind of thing to it. it explorers' spaceship was kind of uh, cobbled together from a bunch of junkyard parts.
1: I don't know his name, but I'll just call him the Black Hobo, uh, the one yeah. who decides to go shopping for chicken. Um, yep. To me, that's my one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And I was actually Great. I was actually watching this movie with another uh, star editor, and I won't say his name to protect his innocence, but he is a uh, he is of the Black persuasion. And as, when he, as soon as he saw this character, he's predicted every line this guy says, and I can't repeat any of those words, but they are very funny, and when they show up, you feel you love this movie more because you know yeah. what it's doing, and it's doing it very, very well, and it's very funny.
2: Yeah. That's great. Um, that's, yeah. Again, it, another scene that just kind of shows, and, and that's what I'm saying, Like the movie really is trying, it, it, it does try to capture, in a sense, like the homeless perspective um pretty heavily and you have i don't know have you seen driller killer the abel ferrara movie no, no where I the guy just goes around killing homeless people because of his own self-hatred um he's not homeless but he goes around killing homeless people it, it reminded me of that but from the other side where you're seeing um obviously there's no actual murder besides bronson but um we, yeah, it was it was like the opposite side from the perspective of we, the homeless people.
1: You know, what movie I thought about when I was watching. I actually thought about the movie you recommended, Freaks. Um, mm-hmm. because, oh, I I I, uh, I thought. Wait, Freaks are are freaked. I thought no, about Freaks. No, like the, the, remember the old the old movie that we did. Okay, the yeah, right the here. Todd Browning. Yeah, because because again, I don't know how they're going to handle this with the remake, but the hobos here, not the hom- the hobos here are treated like Flotsam and jepsum. They're just they live on these dirty, yeah. disgusting, nasty streets. Om- there's almost no interference with the police. Um, they're disgusting, and th- and they're portrayed as disgusting. There's only like there's no nobility there. They're gross. They're disgusting, and you see them sort of become zombies when they find a woman, and you know it's a pretty disturbing scene. Yeah. Um, the only thing worse is when that gigantic fat man tries to rape the Asian girl. Oh my gosh! Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's just like so gross. Yeah. yeah,
1: and that's why it's, it becomes more grindhousey. But yeah, um, and by the way by the way, can I just tell you right now, this movie would have been a thousand times better, right? It's pretty good. If, yeah. if the, if instead of focusing on Gerard Leto's bum and if they would have focused on the stereotypical mobster and the doorman and I forget the guy's name, yeah. but the, the guy who plays the mobster, right? Tony, Is that, uh, Tony Darrow? Yeah. He's actually played the Yeah, he's a good mo- fellas. He, yeah, he was, in he, was <laughs> he was in the Sopranos. Um, but the interactions between him and the sleazy door like the, the shitty doorman are my are some of my favorite like it's it's a different movie when they're on yeah you know what i mean you know,
2: it is well, well uh scorsese hired him for goodfellas because
1: he saw street trash yeah there you go it, may, it makes sense yeah. you know oh by the way that kid is uh his he's listed as obnoxious kid so yeah. it's okay. uh oh wait as italian doorman Oh, james laurent i don't know None of these people have Wikipedia's, so it's really hard to
2: find. Oh, them. James laurent yeah. I'm guessing Wizzy is the guy who pees and gets his penis cut off.
1: <laughs> so, boy, what colorful characters! Drunken wench. Let's see, <laughs> Bronson's girlfriend, cock Oh, she another really gross. Oh yeah. Character. Um, I was. I told you I was watching this with some other people. By the way, you gotta watch this with a group of people like unfortunately that's the only flaw Ethan that's why this didn't make the top for me because you can't really sit down and watch it alone I mean you could right? oh I watched it alone and yeah. I loved it I, I know but you, you can imagine with I'm, friends though
2: I, also the stupid is one of my favorite movies of all time so
1: yeah but I mean like you do like can we just say you do have a more <laughs> appreciation for movies that most people would consider garbage <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so I mean I'll, I, we're not even there yet and I, I will tell you even more when we get to one of our yes. other movies but um, I gotta tell you, I, I I would watch this movie again with a group, right? Mm. Um, I think it has a lot going for it. Um, I, I'm not sure if if a, if the remake's going to add anything. It might actually subtract some things because it just I, again, I you, you have to be filthy, you have to be shameless. Um, yeah. The the 80s the 80s sort of allowed filmmakers a chance to sort of blossom because again, the PG 13 rating was new, um, and cable TV meant you didn't have to have a rating. And home video meant you didn't have to have a rating, so people just went with it. Uh, you know, when you have a budget of like twenty bucks, then you don't anything's a success at that point. So, but we'll see how it happens. I mean, we'll give it a fair shake, and maybe the Toxic Avenger remake will be good, and it will reignite like these trauma type films again. Um, but like you said, we talked about it before. It's really hard to do these things and do them well. Like yeah. there are thousands of crappy versions of this movie that are h- impossible to watch and you know what I'm talking about it just it's impossible yeah basically everything the full moon charle's band does now uh, essentially i will say this once you see that sesame street looking creature going down the toilet because it looks like it looks like something out of sesame street mm-hmm. or Toxic adventure once you see that somebody designed that you know you're kind of in good hands because that sort of thing doesn't happen by accident that took some skill yeah it's, fun. Great. Great it's a fun it's a fun movie it's not a good movie but it's a fun movie can I say that it's not a good movie it's a great movie <laughs> so okay we got I think I think we covered Street Trash yeah, so we covered trash. <laughs> Street Trash 1987 Street Trash Should to be remade okay. in 2024 so we will see so um, I will make you a bet by the way I will bet you the genital scene does not reappear probably not yeah. no it'll do something and we'll, we'll see what happens Cape Town we'll see what happens Okay, so what's next? Are we going to go to my other one now? Get- yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, I got a confession to make. Um, I liked yeah. Leprechaun 4 in space more the first time I saw it, and I liked it less the second time I saw it. Okay, because I was going to say I really liked it. Honestly. No, but I didn't say I hated it, right? Um, yeah. okay. I was going to say, so 1997's Leprechaun in space. Uh, it's con- Some people call this the worst of them. I call this the best of them. Uh, this is not a good franchise. It has never been a good franchise. Um, the reason I like Leprechaun 4 better than Leprechaun in the Hood, or Leprechaun in the Hood Part 2, which everybody seems to like, it's because this movie is bat shit crazy. This movie does not care about continuity. It does not care about plot. It does not care about why it doesn't it does care. Not care. about leprechauns? It does not care about leprechauns. It, it, it delivers... It delivers. say the word leprechaun one time in the entire movie. No. Uh, directed by a guy named Brian and smith who... How do I say this? This is real. I'm going to tell you, this is real. Um, he's been called, and I quote, the rubbish tip of the Australian film industry history. Yeah, I heard... Yeah, he, I guess he was pretty big in Australia. He was huge in Australia. He helped, uh, he helped promote Nicole Kidman, gave her her first movie. Um... He's one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite directors. I believe it. Yeah. Like, if you go to his wiki page, which I hate, you know, striving to wiki, but there's a whole section on reevaluation because people are starting to reevaluate his movies. And I think all the stuff that I said about Troll, about working within a budget, high concept, you know, low budget, applies to this movie. Less mm-hmm. successfully, but it still applies. Um, this movie had a no budget, and it looks like a movie with a low budget. Like, not, not a cheap movie. It looks like it should. You have big sets. You have special effects. None of them are really good, but they're there. And you don't usually see that in these crappy things. And for that reason alone, Leprechaun 4 is the best Leprechaun. Uh, again, it's overshadowed by the first. Everybody talks about Leprechaun 1 the, because it was the movie that begat Jennifer Aniston. But yeah. but as a movie itself, I mean, clearly it was designed to, you know, sh- you know slot into that you know iconic serial killer mold, you know freddie Jason, Chucky, whatever was out that month. Um didn't really work. Wasn't it was basically more critters than it was Chucky. It was like have you ever the watched The first movie's very much critters. Oh
2: it's it's exactly critters. It's, it's literally a... just Crit... it's like a worse version of Critters.
1: Yeah, worse version of Critters of course. And you know, but again, I feel a little bad for Warwick Davis because that's the type of roles you got. You got that? Yeah. You you know, you like, he's great, though. I will he, say he's fantastic. He's good, and he like likes the, the role. movie's not good, yeah. And he's, you know, yeah. he's got the chops. Like he's a really talented guy. He he knows what yep. he's doing. He's good under the makeup. He's good in this. Um, it's just, yeah. you know, the movies don't always live up to that. But to their credit, they've always been kind of funny. Like they've always straddled that horror comedy. But this is something else, Ethan. This is this is someone smoking on the world's biggest joint, eating the world's biggest magic mushroom. You know, downing every alcohol in you know in the mini bar at the hotel. And just saying, I don't care. Just get it done. And somehow it ends up kind of awesome in a way because it it just deviates from everything. And what's really funny, it's not the only horror icon that would go to space in the decade. Like Jason would go to space right after this. Jason, yeah, I love Jason X. By the way, it has the best killer uh, person killed in sleeping bag I've ever seen. Not that? only that,
2: the the kill count's like twenty six or something in that movie. It's
1: insane. It's the
2: highest kill count
1: of any slasher I think ever. But you know what's funny though? It's it's the same as this. I could have easily picked Jason X instead of this. <laughs> yeah, the backstory is a little better in Jason X,
2: but yeah, the, as far as the way it plays out, the total '90s. It's total well, bo-
1: like post Scream era. Well, I was gonna say, I think what happened here is they had a movie about something in space, right? And they decided they, set, they had the IP for Leprechaun, and they just, in ways that doesn't make any sense, the more you think about it, it, makes less sense. Somehow, they're in this intergalactic future world, and these mercenaries are hired to kill this threat, and yet it segues over to fantasy land where lepre, the Leprechaun exists so he can marry the princess and become a king. But it's alien, right? So the, yeah. the alien gets on the ship, the Leprechaun gets on the ship... Like, and then, now they have
2: to figure out how to get rid of them.
1: But I want to—I I, got to say this again. The subplot is that in space there is a fantasy land with kings and queens. Yeah. And yet, and yet, <laughs> Leprechaun is there to marry the princess to steal the gold from the king and become a king. Um, yeah. And they just stitch this together as loosely. Luc- they don't even try to stitch it. It's just there. So again, like, oh sorry, no, good. No, I mean, I don't know how to, I don't know what I could say that you sound stupid.
2: <laughs> first of all, first of all, it's the only non-Star Wars movie that I can remember that had a lightsaber in it, um, which is kind of was super silly right away. Second of all, um, you can really tell where they allocated their budget. I think, I think that some of the makeup is pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, especially towards um, the end. Especially towards the end, it builds. Like, yeah, the first couple kills, I was like, okay, they kind of didn't really show much. But then they really kind of started driving it into it, especially when Dr. Mittenhand shows up and, <laughs> like, wow, that looks really good. And then, yes. you know, a couple of – and then the guy's face, face gets flattened, um, which looked really good. And then you have a couple
1: other things later on that, again, reminded me of, of the Alex Winter movie, uh, Freak. Yes, I was going to say your, your movie, because that's actually a really good example of what this movie does. It uses a small budget with very good creature effects – and Mm -hmm. and uses them very creatively like um, I think the effects in that movie are better than this to be honest with you but again Mm -hmm. we're talking about the fourth entry in a low budget horror movie where he goes to space so it's like that's a big asterisk like that's forgive me if that's like the small bus like we're grading this (laughs) movie on a curve but yeah but but the other thing is this movie is actually funny like it's not it's not like a comedy laugh a minute but it's it's Clearly, you can tell everyone realizes this, this is Schlock and they're making Schlock. But sometimes when you make Schlock, it's not funny because you're too knowing. You know, it's too winky winky. Um, this movie is cryogenically sealed in like 1995. Like, that's how people looked in 1995. That's the makeup they had, the, everything they had, the, the acting style, the, the cheap effects. I said it was Trimark. Um, do you remember Trimark at all? You Like, that logo would show up all the time yeah. in, in these movies? Yeah, I remember it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, basically it's almost like somewhere between like canon films and like new line cinemas. <laughs> like, but I think they got you know, a like get <laughs> alive
2: Peter Jackson
1: Yep, exactly. They did I Peter think they Jackson's did early really Yeah, they did uh, Warlock, which is my favorite of the bunch. Like I remember oh I love Warlock. Yeah. Um by the way, R.I.P. Julian Sands. So sad about that. But uh they found his body. Oh, did he die? Yeah, he uh the California Mudslides, remember? He was he didn't leave oh. his phone. His body was missing. For like, him. Yeah, they found it like oh, sept- no. in September, I think. Oh, uh, that sucks. Yeah, he was a... I love I Julian Sands and that. I loved him in Warlock, and I loved him in... I think he was in The Lost World Jurassic Park. But he kind of... Okay. But he had that 1990s snobbish, like, Euro bad guy look where he was thin, blonde with a ponytail. And so he could always... Just, yeah. He would just be snobbery. Like, he would be very good, like, in a Die Hard movie. You know, or or yeah. a lethal weapon movie, if that ever happened. Um, but no, I mean, that's what this movie is, man. It's a micro-budget movie that said we had these IPs, stick them together. And yet it's better than it should have been. And I, I, I think it's much better than The Leprechaun and the Hoods. And But I'll tell you why, though. Um, not because of the story. The story is stupid. But I'll say this. Uh, they, there's a little thing where they talk about, before you know it's a Leprechaun, which they never say, is they say, oh, he's disrupting our mining operations, because he's stealing gold.
2: It's just so yeah.
1: stupid.
2: <laughs> the gold plays no factor in this, by the way. No. Um. And and and, and, and can I say something real quick? Yeah. Uh, so I, I've n- I've never seen any of the Leprechaun movies before this, and I, I'm i crazy, so I went ahead and watched at least the first four. They're all streaming um, now. Yeah, they're all streaming. Yeah. They're all on Hulu, I think, um, or something like that. Um, so I watched the first one; wasn't terribly impressed. It was very much a critter's a knockoff. Mm-hmm. I watched the second one, and um, can I tell you, I loved it. Yeah, I loved the it's second one. I, the one. I That's watched the, one the Vegas, third one. I watched the third one, and I loved it. Is that the one in Vegas. The third one's in Vegas. Yeah. First, the second one is in Hollywood. It, it's this guy has like his own horror, um, or like you know, uh, dark uh, dark Hollywood history. Is that stories. the one they
1: encase him in stone at the end? Did they do they turn into a, uh, did, did they put him in cement that is
2: the Vegas that's the, that's Vegas, the Vegas one, one. where okay. he's yeah uh and then the Vegas one I'm a sucker for Vegas movies it's one of my favorite places in the world and it was a great Vegas movie on top of it the same director Brian same director. Richard Smith did the third one um loved that one and on and, and then going into the fourth one I was like oh wow like besides the first one I this is turning into like one of my favorite yeah. horror franchises
1: because they're and they, I watched the sellier. fourth one and I love
2: it gets silly, and it's and it, and honestly, the the narrative for two and three are pretty smooth, and it really catches your attention. Like, I think I watched the second one; I was pretty drowsy, and I was did not fall asleep. I was like into it, um, and and that's how you, that's
1: how you know a movie is is at least entertaining. You know why? Uh, because sorry, it has, I really loved it because it has our favorite actor, in it has Miguel Nunez Junior. You know, who by the way has been in many of the movies we've talked about. You know, he's um, he's he's got. He doesn't have one slash. He's not like two genres. He's three genres. He's sci-fi, horror, and comedy, and he appeared in a lot of them. Like, you remember your favorite movie, Return of the Living Dead? And he, yeah, he, oh yeah, that's right. Yep. And that same year, that same year, I was I didn't know this. He was also in Friday the Thirteenth: The New Beginning. Um, he was the guy who ate those enchiladas, had to take a big poop in the middle of the in the middle of all the killing. Uh-huh. That happened. I don't do that, kid. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna be running away from a psycho killer, don't eat enchiladas. In fact, don't eat any Mexican food. Just eat something with high fiber. You want to hold that in. So it's crazy. Um, and he tells some good. He got some pretty good racist jokes in here. He's he's all the racism humor, but his racism humor is very funny because it's all it's all stereotype. Like remember the the dance room scene when everyone's dancing. And he's like ah. it's like we're in the future. Yeah. And they still can't dance. That's good. Yeah, and yeah. he's but it's it's fun um favorite scenes favorite team we haven't even talked about like the last part but we'll, we can get to that but would you what what did you like best as an as a newcomer to the franchise oh this thing gets bonkers um <laughs> i loved
2: all this stuff with a guy it's a guy signer is that how you pronounce his name
0: oh um, uh, the guy
2: who plays dr mitten um, uh
1: by the way eventually British... dr mitten spider <laughs> don't you mean mitten spider <laughs> Um, he's from this great BBC show that's on Amazon Prime if you've never watched it it's called "Hello, mm-hmm. Um it's basically one of those classic like World War II comedies where it's not quite Hogan's Heroes okay. right but it's basically um, this, this uh, French town I, th- I think it's French right they get taken over by the Nazis and he plays one of the, the, the nicer Nazis and at a bakery, and the bakery has to survive. And you know, it's, again, like Hogan Heroes, everyone's parachuting in and out. There's always spies going out, and he plays one of the Nazis, and he's very funny in it. So he's—I was really happy to learn that he was in it because I, I loved Elo Allo. He's so, yeah, he's so good in this. Um, I think
2: he's—he's he, he's chewing the scenery, mm-hmm. and I think—I mean, all of these guys are. They're all—they're all buying into the comedy, and the comedy, by the way, especially in, in Leprechaun Three and Four, the Brian Trenchard-Smith ones. It's really good. Like it's 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 well written mm-hmm. comedy that's not just good schlock comedy. It's uh,
1: like I don't know if you rewatch the third one, uh, the biggest I'm, one. I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch them like because two, I wanted to, but I'm only gonna rewatch two and three because I've seen I've seen yeah, I've seen in the, the hood first a few times.
2: Pretty, the first one's pretty lame. I'm not gonna lie. Um, aside, unless you're into watching Jennifer Aniston, no, um, that's the only reason people watch it. It's, it's 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 the only reason why you watch it. Yeah, guys. first one's bad. Um, it, there's, like, no plot. Uh, But, yeah, 2 and 3 really gets into the lore, unlike 4, which uses the lore from 2 and 3, <laughs> but at the same time just doesn't even... Like, it's not even clear that these characters know what a Leprechaun... For all we know, they don't even have never heard of a Leprechaun before. They You would not know. There's no... They think this guy is an alien. They have no idea who
1: he is. It's never stated or... or They've never had Lucky Charm to- cereal because... This little so thing next- is showing up in the green outfit with an Irish accent. He's, he's like, three feet tall. <laughs> they don't know, so... Well, and that's, that's what the
2: premise kind of calls for. It's like, okay, because it's set in space, it can't... Anything that they run into is just going to be like, oh, okay, it's an alien, let's kill it. Like, they are already expecting to see an alien, so when they see a leprechaun, it's never a
1: point of conversation. Oh, it's... Let's let's just say how the how the leprechaun gets onto their ship. So, they rescue the princess. They blow up the leprechaun; he's all in chunks. Um, the guy pisses on his body, and the leprechaun spirit mm. goes into the man's body by traveling up the urine into his bladder, and it's detected as gonorrhea. And so, when he's trying to have sex with the hot girl after the dancing, after badly, de- badly dancing, he the leprechaun emerges out of his penis and wreaks havoc on the ship <laughs> so he can get the princess oh, back so, yeah. so he can so become a king but, but meanwhile yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> fantastic and that's not the crazy part you already mentioned Mitten, you've already mentioned uh Mittenhand but meanwhile you have this diabolical crazy scientist who you discover is uh living as a human cyborg in a basically a um I don't know what you'd call it who's the uh, who's the character on Star Trek that was in the beatbox um was it Peck? What's his name? Oh goodness! They have the new Star Trek. Sure, I him not Star Trek. Yeah. I'm, I feel so bad. But, but he's on? doing basically—he's
2: doing basically like. First of all, he looks like Werner Herzog. Yes, uh, Try, and he's doing see. like a Doctor No, Klaus Kinski type of fusion hybrid
1: performance. If uh, who's the definitely ba- Doctor No? Who's the bad guy that's in Doctor Who uh, in the box? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, goodness gracious! Who are Trek? Uh, Doctor Who, um, he's in, he's the deformed guy in the, in the, in the box, what's his name, and he, and he travels around, oh my goodness, you know what, if you, if you're listening to this, you know, and you're a Doctor Who fan, you know what I'm talking about, it's the bad guy in the box, he's all deformed, he's gross, he comes back every, like, every ten years, but, that's a good case, grit, it's so gross, but he's, but the makeup's really good, can I say that, it's cheap, but it's really, really good, good. And um, they also have yeah. the makeup on the soldier's head too. Whereas they said his brain, like his skull, got opened up. Uh, yep. What's that guy's name? He's from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, he's great too. Um,
2: Tim Col- Col- Colcherry.
1: Yeah, he. Um, um,
2: he's really good too. He's like he's doing a comedic performance, but as a like drill sergeant, rah rah marine guy. Yeah, he's making fun. Um, of a, but he's he's, he's, he's making fun mean, of Full Metal Jacket. Incredible. Did you know yeah, that? he's got some incredible comedic props here? Well, the ain't war hell. Yeah, he's doing the get he, some.
1: He was actually Dang. supposed to be uh, the early army character. Did you know that? He was the first. Okay. Yeah, he was the original choice before army joined up and he was obviously the better choice. But um, he's got this great scene in the movie that's so ridiculous when he's arguing with when he's arguing with um, when he's arguing with the minhand about like extending their contract and you think it's going to be you think it's going to go one way but they start they start arguing about points and revenues. And it, but they yeah. but they and argue it, about it funny. but they argue about it like they're like they're shouting like i want two points not net <laughs> it's just it's out of nowhere yeah it's just it's crazy. good
2: though but it but it feels well written it doesn't feel like it's just inadvertently funny like it, it's actually like the jokes that are in there are good um
1: somebody took the time to write funny to punch this thing up i think exactly exactly uh, it's it's why I it. it's yeah. funny and you 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 don't get that type of writing with money you get it from just someone being crazy Or talented. Just being... Exactly, yeah. And speaking of crazy and talented, so even though this is a leprechaun movie, and yes, it's about a leprechaun in space trying to uh, marry a princess so he could get the gold and become a king, meanwhile, Dr. Mittenhand, who's a deformed crazy scientist, is trying to develop genetic engineering by juicing the princess of her blood so he can combine it with genetic research so he can get his body back. But the best kill in the movie is uh, I guess we can, you have to spoil it to talk about it I guess um, let's just say the leprechaun creates a, a power smoothie that has the DNA of a spider and a scorpion and he turns Mitten, mitten into Mitten Spider a gigantic gross creature that wants to eat flies and it's disgusting he pumped about it too. oh he loves it, he, he's like oh he loves it, he wants those flies and um, the performance is great. It just comes out of nowhere. I'm told you, this movie is like three movies stitched together with the flimsiest of strings. But it, it makes sense. It kind of works. It's a Frankenstein. I would say I would definitely call it a Frankenstein thing because I don't think they plotted this thing from A to Z. No way. No, there's no way. It's definitely <laughs> a
2: lot of hindsight, I think. Um, but also it has another actress from a, another 90s sitcom powerhouse home improvement in uh, Deborah Dunning, Debbie Dunning. Debbie Dunning,
1: uh, Who um, did, did she play?
2: Yeah, she played the uh, well in in Leprechaun. She's the girl who, uh, the the brunette, um, and then in she's the tool time girl in Home Improvement.
1: Oh, before Pamela Anderson, before, uh, or after? After Pamela Anderson, Pamela after. Anderson. Yeah. So yep. she, oh, she's she the was the one
2: the who fell. Is
1: she, is she the one that he knocked off the thing and she fell on her side? Like in, in in real life? No, no, no in Leprechaun. Oh, I'm sorry. Like I think she was up, oh, oh. and he started banging her fingers with a wrench, and she fell. Uh, yeah, and she fell off the platform. Yeah, and she was still very
2: much alive, even though she just fell literally 300 feet. Well, she she needed to say those final
1: words, you know, to encourage. Them. Yes. <laughs> I like your body would be your neck would have snapped off. And uh, I won't say how it happens, but just to continue the batshit crazy motif. Um. One of the kills happens when Leprechaun uh, turns one of the, the manly men into a transvestite lounge singer. <laughs> they start oh, yeah. attacking. Yeah, it's 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 You're something. It's something else. It's it's something. Yeah. It happened. Uh, but no, uh, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, the movie's got bad reviews. People seem to hate it, but I I, I don't. Um, I actually like Leprechaun for quite a bit. I don't know if I'll watch it again for a long time. But I enjoy it while, when I see it because I can see that there's something happening. There's like somebody took some time to make this thing work. And I don't, I mean, it's so much better than Leprechaun 1. Leprechaun 1 is not a good movie. It's not a fun movie. It's actually a slog. It's, it doesn't, like, the 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 series comes alive here. And I, and I don't think it ever gets better than it gets here. I know, like I said, Ethan, people loved. This is where I stopped. Yeah, Leprechaun 4 is very is the most popular one. I get it. I mean, sorry, Leprechaun 5, In the Hood. And it was so popular uh, that they I made a sequel. Die. But it's... Yeah. But no, it's just... it it It's not as good. Oh, let me put it this way. you never seen In the Hood? No. I I've only seen these ones. I think you would enjoy them. Like, I think you'd get
2: something out of it. Oh, i I'm, ex- I'm gonna I'm going to keep wa- watching I just didn't have enough time oh here sure. I found besides the first one these were easy to binge for me like I oh, they're I, I'm not a big like binging one series at, at a time but the first movie I was getting a little stir crazy it gets it's a kind of a slog but two three and four I was like yeah really they're fun. standing up on a chair um, metaphorically
1: well I'll say this my final thought um again there are no shortage of these type of movies from like 1986 to like 1997. Um, and the genre sort yeah. of dies out in the 90s. It just doesn't make it to the 2000s. It gets, it's gone. It's sort of like how we talk about, like, comedies now. Like, there are no really good comedies being made anymore. There's some that are funny, but yeah. there's no classics being made. And I think the reason being is because comedies today lack comedy. They lack the balls to go out and offend people in fun ways. Like, this movie has racism. A lot of 80s movies have racism. But every everybody's sort of in the joke. It has sexism. There's lots mm-hmm. of boob- there's boobies. There's boobies in a couple of these movies and, you know, TNA. But it's part of the joke. It's part of the gag. Everybody's into it. Um, but today, everyone's so class conscious and so worried about being canceled. though. So comedies just, for the most part, aren't that funny. They're sort of ironic, satirical comedies, but not comedies. And I think with these movies in the 90s, what I think what really killed them, Ethan, and I hate to be that guy that says it, I think it's CG because... With the advent of CG, anybody could make anything. And this movie has good makeup, but it has some really bad CG. Like, like pre-video game CG. It's pretty terrible, yeah. But It's awful. <laughs> but that's what all these movies became. They became all CG. And the whole idea of making monster makeup and puppets and everything was just too time-consuming. So while the budgets went higher, the actual craftsmanship went way down. And by the time you get to the 2000s, it's all CG splatter, and it looks horrible. It's dated. It's not clever. So you're enabling less talented filmmakers to make these things. But for all all intents and purposes, things like Street Trash, Leprechaun, Troll, and thousands, you know, lots of others, they had talent behind them. Like, someone had to get up and make these things. Someone had to go up and make the makeup, you know. And if you're going to spend three weeks making makeup with Play-Doh and boogers and trash... You're going to make the movie, and it's going to be something because you're, you're not going to waste your time. You had, you had to make it standing up. You can sit exactly. at a desk making exactly. make these effects. Yeah, but and I'm not trying to downplay. There have been good CG monsters, but you know what I'm talking about. Like sure. the low budget stuff, they just became yeah. all CG, and it just it's, your mind isn't tricked. Like this is going to sound really silly, but there's really no difference between like Troll and Leprechaun and Star Wars, except budget. Like they're they're all practical yeah. effects, you know. They're all practical things that can be made. But if you have like a three hundred million dollar Marvel movie, it, the CG is probably going to look better than a eight hundred thousand dollar movie. You know what I mean? And therefore, your mind is—it's yeah. like you know you're watching crap. And I think that reflects in the film. And I think that's why we don't see those kind of things. Like it's, it's just—it's a non-issue these days. And I—I I really want to see those things. You know, I want to see like Brian Yuzna kind of movies again, where it's practical effects done smart. I would like to see it, but I don't think we're going to see them. I don't think there's... I mean, unless it's on Shudder or Tubi or something,
2: you know? You know what, though? The new... I Again, it's not... Not a lot of people have seen it yet, but the new Toxic Avengers seems like it might... It's trying mm-hmm. to live up to that spirit, and uh, who knows? Maybe Maybe it'll, be, it'll a- be a favorite, and it'll be the one that kind of catapults it into more of a mainstream... Uh, and it, it's not... It's no longer just the exception, it may be hopefully the standard with this, at least with horror
1: you know, horror stuff I mean, it doesn't have to be, fin- it doesn't really have to be perfect, like it, it has to be no. perfectly imperfect like it has to do the things right that you want it to do, and as long as it gets that, like a, like a movie like Megan that came out last year with the dancing doll I mean, all it was, was a girl with a mask on, right, dancing and people loved yeah. it, you don't need big budgets for that sort of thing, you just have a high concept you know but yeah, yeah. Less CG, less CG. Uh, more makeup. Yeah. Less CG. More makeup. We could, we yeah. people. You could do this. It could be done. All you gotta do is go to Michael's, or just go to an art store and get a lot of blood. Yeah, you can do it. Pancakes. Go to Michael's. So. But you have you have Michael's out in California, right? Yeah. You have Michael's. Okay. Yeah, you probably have yeah, some yeah, better stores too. That so uh, that's let,
2: that's like best. That's like what? I say that's like the best Michael's.
1: Yeah, it is pretty good. I mean, unless you like Hobby Lobby, they're they're okay, except on Sundays. Yeah, it's true. Hobby Lobby is bigger, so, yeah, yeah. but they're more expensive. So much more expensive. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah. Okay, Leprechaun Four, Leprechaun in Space. I think we both give it thumbs up. Um, yeah, nice make up. make a make a day of it. Stream part two, three, four, maybe five, maybe six. I don't know. I have not seen the remakes, but I honestly I have no desire to. But we'll see. Yeah. They're the ones without uh, Warwick Davis. He's He's moved on. Oh, yeah. You got it. You got to have him. So so we shall see. He's we shall what see. makes these movies. So yeah. final movie, Ethan, is your pick of the litter and literally. Uh, so tell us about your last pick. My last pick is Phantom of the Mall, colon,
2: Eric's Revenge from 1989. <laughs> and there is no um, Eric's New Hope or Empire Strikes Back exactly. with Eric or anything. This is the only. This is the only Phantom of them all. Eric's Revenge. By the way, fun fact: Phantom of the Opera Phantom is also named Eric. So, this movie Ooh. is. If anyone's familiar with the original um, story by what was the French guy, I forget the author's name now. No one the, knows. Whoever. No one
1: knows it from that. They only know it from Lon Chaney. Yeah. and and uh, yeah, Andrew say. Lloyd Webber.
2: <laughs> so. it, in the Lon in the Lon Chaney, uh, there was a 1927 or whatever it was. It's a good that's a good movie too. So if you if that's your frame of reference, this takes a lot from that. Um, that's my frame of reference. So, um, yeah, uh, it's not as good as the Lon Chaney one. But really, it is a it's not 80s as good as Lon movie. Chaney. Really, <laughs> a, oh man, that's so, controversy. So let me just, <laughs> let me just it's a hot take. So let me just uh, set this thing up here. Uh, Phantom of the Mall, is about a teenager who he and his girlfriend are a thirty are a thirty year old teenager night, by the way one of those 19 thirty years. year old teenager
3: yeah,
2: yeah with <laughs> yeah with gray hair and basically we, we we see them hanging out together they're in love yada yada we find out that. They're trying to basically tell them to move, he, he and his parents, to move out of their house, and they don't want to. They keep putting notices on their door. We flash forward a year in time, and <laughs> we
1: get uh, a I'm new sorry. model
2: is opening.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so ridiculous. I, I saw that. It was like, wow. Ooh, non
2: linear filmmaking. Whoa, we're a call, Orson Welles. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's so gratuitous, and and honestly, it, it it harms the movie I think more than it, bene, than the movie benefits it from this. It should have been two years. It should have been two years, but whatever. Well, not only that, it should have been. I think that if they just told the story as it was, I think it would have made a little bit more sense. But
1: because anyway, they're, because they're stealing so, from poltergeist. They're stealing from the idea that you're uh, building houses on a haunted. But you're building a mall. So, <laughs> so.
2: So so uh, uh, spoiler alert. This is the only one of the 4 we watched that I wasn't a big fan yeah, of. Yeah, I think um, I think you and I agree like, it, you and I agree this is the fourth it, out of the 4. It has it has its place, I think. If you want just kind of like, you know, if you're watching it, this is the one you'd watch with friends, I think, the most um, you know, if you just want some really really authentic 80s vibes and just you want to just have something that reminds you of a time that once was. Um, but I think <laughs> I think it's what Chopping Mall wanted to be, but honestly, Chopping Mall is a better movie still because at least it's and a better box, itself. It's and expensive. a much better box
1: art, by the way. And a Chopping way
2: Mall. better box. Yeah, the box yeah. art for this is kind of lacking. It looks like someone made it today. Um, but, so anyway, so we flash forward, uh, uh, fast forward a year into the future and Eric is apparently dead. We don't really know why yet. Um, But his girlfriend, Melody, is still very much alive and is at this uh, grand opening for this new, like, triple-decker mall in town. And, um, you know, uh, this guy who's a reporter who's also a 30-year-old teenager is kind of hitting on her. And he's like, hey, like, let's (laughs) talk or whatever. And then, um, you know, they know each other for a day and then they're falling in love.
1: So it's really it's, a sweet love it's, story. If you it's the rules. Back. The rule is two incredibly good-looking people are going to get it on because that's, yeah. that's how it was until recently. And it's the whole Hunchback in Notre Dame. It's the whole everything. It's even Phantom of the Opera. It's like, yeah. look, even before she finds out her bo- her boyfriend's all deformed, like, she moved on. She's got a hot guy now. Like, that's that's what it matters. He he could take yeah, pictures. But,
2: but... – but see, the thing is, okay, so we don't know, we, we suspect that we know really early on, and we know by reading the title of the movie that Eric is still alive. And yeah, he's getting died. revenge. Getting his revenge on the, the the mall patrons and whatever, the people who are responsible. We soon find out that he was killed in a fire, not Garrett, sorry, deformed in a fire. They thought that he died. Slightly deformed, just slightly, him. just on the face. Buried, yeah, and his voice got the most uh, brunt of the of, of the fire for some reason. His voice was destroyed, Um, but yeah, they buried an empty casket, and Eric is alive in this dungeon of the basement that he's turned (laughs) into a gym of a mall. That's the best part, by the way.
1: One day old. Instead of playing the organs, he's working out on Bowflexes. (laughs) He's working out.
2: (laughs) He's built an entire mall. Yeah, the 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 security guard's like, why are why is all this fitness equipment missing from the from the store? And they're like, oh, I don't know, all this stuff, other stuff's missing too. Yeah, so you find out Eric's alive, and he's just killed, going around killing the people who are responsible for the fire at his house, and that's the movie. And we see it, and and we kind of figure out all this stuff, but we are told it um, through dream sequences and melody telling the story to this new hot guy mm-hmm. named what was Peter? Peter is
1: that the new guy? He's really yeah. forgettable. Like he's one um, of those. He's one of those '80s '90s guys that went on to soap operas and like. Fox, yeah, soap he looks or... like a
2: soap opera guy. Yeah, he the looks other... like soap. He has he no, like he yeah, soap opera no maker,
1: distinguishing yeah. features. Just a hot, hot guy. So,
2: yeah, Pauly Shore's in this also. Morgan Fairchild is well, in it.
1: Um, more... Pauly, Pauly Shore actually it. not so annoying in this. I kind of like. Yeah, most, he's actually, he's, but... he's not. Hey, buddy, he's acting like, and I think. Hey, and I was yeah. at, I was trying to look up people from this movie, and I saw I think Derek Rydell, who plays Eric, one of them. Where it's, yeah. I think they're Nepo babies. Because you, you find out, like, these people, uh, God bless Polly Shore, but, like, the only reason he had a Hollywood career is because mm-hmm. his parents opened up the comedy store, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, sure, yeah. oh, you want you want funding for your movie, huh? huh? Well, I got this kid you need to put in your movie. <laughs> so, same with Derek Rydell. I think his parents were something, like, because they didn't, he didn't really do much. He He writes screenplay books now. So... Yeah, he's not great.
2: Um, no. I will say, though, it was a really pleasant surprise to see Ken Forey in here. Oh. who was in another, in an iconic mall horror movie. Um, Can I Dawn say something Day. about
1: him? Can I say something? Yeah. Okay. Wait for it. That's all I have to say. Just wait for it. Ken Forey will come back. So... Can, can we just say who Ken Foree is for those who don't know? Because you, you mentioned yeah. Mall Movie, but let's be honest—he's kind of—he's kind of the pinnacle of the whole genre. Doesn't get any better yeah. than Ken Foree, and you know why? Because he yeah. got—he's got the line, and, and we, he's in Keenan and Cal, and he's in Keenan and, and and a lot of other stuff. <laughs> My favorite sitcom, yeah. But you know, they're making a good burger too. Did you hear that? Oh yeah, I'm so excited! You're so excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's for you. That's I your Transformers. That's that's it's your my, anniversary film. It is my. It is my yeah, um, and the only thing that would make it better is just Shia LaBeouf were in it. But. I'll be honest with you. You never know. I mean, he could. He could. He um, never. Know. But I'll say this though: the real star of the movie is none of those people. The real star of the movie mm-hmm. is the mall. So let's, the mall yeah. actually has more IMDb Good. credits than a lot of these actors. Like um, it's the Sherman Oaks Galleria and yeah it was basically it like, was used
2: in the even stevens episode oh man my favorite show like in my my son after Lewis stevens it was in a even stevens episode
1: it uh it's basically the the genesis of mall culture like it was it was the mall that frank zappa and his daughter moon unit zappa wrote valley girl about that was the mall Valley Girl, yeah and uh it was yeah. used in tons of great movies that we that you and i both like um it was in yeah. Fast Times at Richmond High, very famous. Like, a, yeah, I was gonna say Fast Times yep, too. Valley Girl, uh, Night oh, of the this Comet. This maybe? Um, I I didn't find yeah. Clueless on the list, but 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 by then there was lots of other malls. But um, yeah, I remember this mall. This is how nerdy this whole thing is. I remember that mall from Commando because it had those elevators, those oh, like yeah. sci-fi elevators. Oh, raid sequence. Yeah. Oh, totally. You ready for this? It though? is a mall. From- you ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. Back, yeah. To, back to the Future Part Two. Terminator 2, Judgment okay. Day. Yep. Inner Space, Albert Brooks's Mother, which is actually a pretty good movie. And you ready for this? mm mm-hmm. Chopping Mall. <laughs> this is the mall. Oh, wow, yeah. This is the
2: mall from Chopping Mall. Yep. Which, yeah. The, the thing, see, the thing that affects Chopping Mall is that there's no, like, um, liveliness to the mall because it takes place after hours. And I think the best part of a mall movie is watching the, the mall kind of yes. come alive. Like, like Mallrats, I think. Mallrats is, Rats is, is not a movie. great but it's a good mall movie. No, it's a great. It's actually a great patron- mall movie. Great mall movie. You see the patrons. You see the culture. There's no you movie see all that kind of, mall. of stuff. Yeah. There's exactly. And whereas this, I think, like you said, the the mall is the star of the movie. You get to, mm-hmm. even though it's like a grand opening, you get to see people. Going into shops and stuff, maybe not as much as you would like to, but it's not Chopping Mall where it's literally just well after hours they're just getting camped chop- in this one store.
1: But to be to its credit though, Chopping Mall does have Chopping Mall does have something in common besides the mall. Chopping Mall and uh, Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, both have excessive scenes of working out and murder. So like you don't usually get those two things in one genre and this these two movies have lots sure. of it. Like, working, working out, out like, yeah, feel the burn is literal. You burn to death. Like, you fry up. Both yeah. movies have literally immolation scenes of death. But um, sadly, then, though, the mall didn't survive. Survived. The mall yeah. died. The mall died in 1999. Yeah. So it got transformed. Well, yeah, it's now, it's something else now, I think, right? Uh, I looked it up on the map because I'd actually been it's, in that area a few it's times. It's like an outdoor, an outdoor yeah, mall. Yeah, it's been destroyed. Like, it's been flattened. I think there's a school across the street from it now. But um, I think I've been to that mall. I think I've gone to that mall before. I think it's near Westwood. or oh, I'm sorry. um, Not Westwood. Is it Westwood? God. Westland
2: uh, um, West, uh, So much has changed. Woodland Hills. Woodland Hills. Woodland Hills. Woodland
1: Hills, Woodland Hills right. That's it. Yeah. It's like when I used to live out there. Like, it's... You know what I'm talking about. You still live there. It's different. It's a different world. <laughs> um, But no, RIP... Oh, R. Yeah, R. yeah. Totally. RIP uh, Sherman Oaks Galleria. So, you were... You well, and, and I was going to say...
2: Phantom of the Mall also came out the same year as another movie with a skateboarding mall scene. Like this, this movie has a skateboarding mall scene. Which one? Bill and Ted's X Adventure. Oh, has there you a, go. A skateboarding mall,
3: um, I'm also
2: in a mall that is dead. I've been to that mall in person, and it had two stores in it, and it was like on the verge of closing. And I, I believe it closed down during the pandemic. Well, that sucks. That was a good. Um, that was a good one, '80s mall, like the Bill and Ted's Mall. That's that a great. It? Yeah. That, that's one of the best mall just
1: sequences in in movie history, and, and I'm biased, but it is a good mall. It might sequence, be so. it might be the best mall scene in a movie. I mean, because it, because it's, really, it it's like it doesn't take place in the mall, but it's integral to the plot. Like at the end, and it's also the most fun when they pair the historical so figures fun. up yeah. and they just go crazy. Like it's actually like probably it, it's the best, best scene in the movie.
2: When I first saw the movie, I was loving it, and that was a scene that I. I when that scene happened the first time I saw it I said yeah this is my favorite
1: movie ever well you know I, I, that was what solidified it but you know what I love it's sort of like Troll how every neighbor had it, their whole apartment was dressed to their personality like one of the things I love about Bill and Ted which I'd rather be talking about than Phantom of the Mall but we can't because that's the rules <laughs> <laughs> I don't make them which yeah. I do but whatever uh, it's every store they go into is suited to their personality like Beethoven plays this Joan of Arc does this Angus yeah. Khan was the best does that? Got the sports, Austin sporting um, So, yeah. sorry, so great oh, so
2: uh, <laughs> Yes, uh, yeah, Lincoln goes to the, uh, like the, um, the, where you can get your photo taken with the
1: Lincoln costume. Exactly. It's, it's perfectly set up. It's a, it's, it's a, yeah. such a late, such an easy joke, but they, they hit it out of the park. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, but back to, back to Phantom in the Mall, <laughs> Eric's Revenge. Um, that title though, like we talked about Leprechaun in the Hood is a good title because it's a, it's schlocky. Um, this movie doesn't need the Eric's revenge because we don't know who Eric yeah. is and why is he getting ripped that's that's like something you give to a Jason part five or something. You know, yeah, or, exactly. Or it, Michael it, Myers 10 It spoils 10. the movie. It spoils
2: the movie and it also but it does kind of give the movie some longevity, if that makes sense. Like Yes I think, it does. I think it piques people's interest today. Because they're like, what is this movie? Why is the title so strange? Like, I think it got me to want to watch it um, originally. But yeah, back in the day, I think you have this as the title. I think it probably would would spoil the movie. I'd love to know why that is the title of the movie. I'm sure there's um, some
1: sort of it's it's probably like it's broadcast. probably making fun of something. Uh, but you know what's funny? It reminded me of one of my favorite nineteen like I guess it's nineties uh, Sam Raimi's Dark Man. You remember? Uh, Yeah, I've never seen Darkman That was one he made after Um, I'll say this Darkman is one of his best superhero movies It's the formula to Spider-Man It's the exact same formula It looks like Spider-Man It plays like Spider-Man It's got Bruce Campbell like Spider-Man Everything in it is Spider-Man But, you know, sequels had to be made And he wasn't part of it And the sequel was called, I think it was called Durant's Revenge, I think it was uh, it was just about the boss who somehow is alive. It's So I, I can't tell you what it is, but I know that you had this thing happen in the 80s and 90s where you started having these crazy subtitles, and it, and clearly it meant something. And I couldn't find why they called it Eric's Revenge, except maybe they, maybe they literally just said it literally. Maybe they just meant, hey, we have to tell you what it is, instead of tongue-in-cheek. Like, um, oh goodness, I'm trying to think. Like, Muppets Take Manhattan. You know, it's yeah. it's a fun title that makes that's obviously it's a subtitle, exactly. Yeah, um, or like Chud Two, Bud the Chud. You know, <laughs> the Chud. Yeah, Bud the Chud. Yeah. It's you know what I mean. Like, I hate it yeah, when you when you don't have much to work with, you got to do everything you can to stand out. So maybe you're right. Maybe Air Revenge is just let's put a stupid title on it because people will remember it more. It is a dumb yeah, title. And,
2: and this is another. And this is another movie where someone's wiener gets chopped off.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like I said, it, it's not it three. Was,
2: three out of four. What are the chances? Three out of four of our movies have someone's well, wiener getting off. Well, to be to be fair, Troll kind
1: of counts because Troll does feature a phallus in the background of uh, Sunny. Oh, Bollies. that's true. It's a, it's a technicality, yeah, but I think it that's it. a hat trick. They counted it. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's, I think it's right. there. Um, I will say uh, I will say this though: uh, this movie also does feature someone who would become kind of a celebrity. Years later uh, Do you remember uh, You know who Jonathan Goldsmith is He plays the owner Yeah he looks familiar I couldn't yeah. place him though he's, I don't think I looked him up He's the world's Most interesting man Remember Remember those That's commercials? right He's a Dos Equis guy Yeah mm-hmm. Yep <clears throat> He plays Harv Posner
2: No one's named Harv Posner anymore You
1: know No no We don't have Posners anymore That's a that's a name That went out with Gertrude Or Harves. Or Harvs If I've, you ever have yeah. a son You gotta give him A 1920s flapper name like just be, you need to yeah. bring it back, you know, like Zelda. uh like Zelda. Although technically, that's you know about what was this twenty twenty three? In like twenty years, you're gonna have a lot of Zeldas. So it's true, it's gonna happen, and not because of <laughs> not because of uh, Fitzgerald. So <laughs> not because of Zelda. A lot of a lot, lot of sons named Link. It's gonna be very hard for them in college. <laughs> so, but uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, this was the least out of the four, and this was not a lot of fun for me. Um, it didn't have... It, it took it, itself too seriously.
2: Yeah, it felt promising at, at first, and I think it... it um, I think also it, it kind of fumbled the, the final act, which I think... It, it gets ridiculous, and in kind of a fun way, at times, later on, like when they're scaling the rafters, and Paulie Shore just grabs a random motorcycle and drives it through the mall for no reason like stuff like that's kind of silly but then like it it really establishes this this pathos early on and then it just doesn't know what to do with it and and not only that it it kind of just insults itself by just not following through with how we feel about this eric exactly kind of got the raw end of the deal and you know, he was burned in the fire. Like he's disfigured; his half his face is gone. And then, well, he's a serial killer. Only, and, and that's the problem, exactly. Well, that too. I know. Yeah, but, but you know what I mean. Like it, it's, but, but I'm saying it. But it, I think a, a better movie would have really kind of challenged the audience to find some sympathy for him, even though he's the, even though he's the murderer. You know, like a Darth Vader type of thing. Yes. Or like a Bronson from Street Trash type of thing. You know, um, I think that it was really. I think if they played it more of like Hunchback where, where you know, maybe he hands, he realizes that he's lost at the end and is like hands over Melody, his girlfriend, to the new guy, like, I think that would have been a beautiful moment and maybe, you know, kind of his redemption even. Um, whereas this movie kind of, you know, kind of jokes about uh, like she makes a joke after, like she looks at him, first of all, disfigured, realizes that she is re- repulsed by him Yeah and doesn't want to have anything to do with him almost because of what he looks like and not even because of the fact that he was killing people it had more to do with how he looked and then she makes a joke at the end like well yes he got what he wanted exactly he wanted and yeah. then yeah, he's like oh I got what like, I wanted babe. yeah I got you but like yeah it, it man. just like it, it was like it just did not know how to handle this delicate
1: thread that it was messing well, with and, I thought I thought that and, too uh, um, I think um, it could have been handled better Here's what I would have done. Uh, first of all, I would have had better music. The music of this movie sucks. It has this crappy, oh, I, oh, crappy, it was fart so rock right music. Like, soundtrack. Yeah, uh, yeah, it could have been such it's a good cool soundtrack. It's a yeah. mall. You need some mall. You don't. N- no offense. Hair metal has never been mall music, so that's not. No, it's hair metal was car music, not mall music. Get some, get yeah, some like punk rock, maybe like some, like Return of the Living Dead type of exactly. genre there. Like you, know. you literally had zombies in that movie when they're singing party time you know it's like it's crazy but like some sort of LA rock or something LA rock this is the yeah exactly this is the late 80s this is before grunge came over and took the fun out of music so like you could have had all kinds of like white snake if you're gonna do that you could have Tiffany why don't Tiffany could have been in this movie mm-hmm. but oh um, man yeah but cause she did mall tours remember but I was gonna yep. say um, was... so have her have uh, the girlfriend Fall, like still be in love with Eric, and then, and then have her discover that she he's been killing people, and and then then she makes the escape, like like you could have had so yeah. many different versions of how this went down. Yeah, but... and then they, and they put the ball in her court, like like you know almost have her in a
2: weird predicament because yeah they spoil the mystery, and so then the only person who is in on who doesn't know the twist is her because we know the twist already, and so it now becomes about her. So yeah. It would have been, that's a good that would have been a good idea like maybe give her the
1: onus um
2: you know see what
1: she does with this dilemma it's just, th- my only problem is that unlike all the other movies we talked about this one's joyless and i think if you don't have joy in your schlock it's not schlock it's just it's just hard to sit through like when you when uh, let's say you grow up and you're the ugliest man in the world like you're repulsive you got warts you got hair on your warts you're fat nothing fits you but like you're funny. You're going to be popular. Like that's how you get around. Yeah. It. And so a good low budget schlocky horror comedy sci fi whatever knows how to how to spin that. But you, if you take yourself so seriously and you have these crappy actors and you have flat things, you can't make a movie out of that. You got to do something. You got to do something to distinguish it. Music. Um, act, I'm sorry. When Paulie Shore and Morgan Fairchild are your marquee names, like, <laughs> like. <laughs> when I saw that box art, I swear, I swear, I thought Paulie Shore was the star of this movie. I was like, "Oh, Paulie Shore's in bird makeup," but no, he's he's not Paulie Shore yet. He's not the Paulie Shore. He's not Encino Man. You know, it's not him. Yeah, it's not son-in-law. This is something else. This is. I know you said he's not annoying, well, but you know,
2: well, no, I, I I actually like Paulie Shore. But what people think are is
1: no, I like Paulie Shore too. No, I like yeah. Paulie Shore too. And he's actually been in some funny stuff. But you can but you understand, like you can't have that all the time. Like Poly Shore is no, yeah, Biodome was too much. You know what he is? Polly Shore is the pumpkin spice of eighties comedians. Like once a year, like not year round. Once a year, you can yeah. you could take a hey, buddy, <laughs> you know. But um, I like the metaphor, yeah. Like, um, but no, it's like I said.
2: This also, was, this has like the most sensual sex scene in horror history. Like. The sex scenes are like it was like softcore or something. It was like this weird thing that didn't belong in the movie. Um, did they go
1: full nudity in and this? Then, did they go full nude
2: when he's watching you know, the security cameras?
1: Uh, oh yeah, they did. Yeah, they
2: did. The pervert. Um, yeah, they do that scene and then they get a body double. At, it looks like for the melody. Oh, girl when they do. Oh. Because she okay. So here's the thing. They dream. She dreams about having sex with Eric and then later this other guy, and it's kind of. The dream scenes are the mm-hmm. most interesting part because it's seeing her psyche, and then you kind of find out through actual flashbacks that they never end up having sex that night. So it kind of follows the like the slasher rule of virgins don't die because Eric doesn't die and neither does
1: Melody. But this movie's breaking all the rules. Is that what you're saying? It's breaking all every other rule. Yeah. Look at that. It's it's a trendsetter. This is that's what's you know what I love it now. It's a masterpiece. Four stars. It's a Criterion Collection. Where it's are a, you? But um, you reminded me of something I was supposed to say something about street trash I, I completely forgot to say it I'm so sorry um, my uh, editors wanted me to point this out that movie um, is very generous with the, the nudity uh, right up front um, and yeah. it's not just women, you see it all you see every part of all the people, um, not just the detached teens, you see very much attached ones and um, it's yeah. one of those movies when you see the nudity, you wish you hadn't seen it. Uh, you wish maybe they were a little more chaste and covered up because what you see is gross. But it's uh, it's there. Um, so it's there. Troll doesn't have any nudity except for a fake phallus. So yeah, there you go. Troll does not have nudity. Yet.
2: and and the uh, leprechaun I think just has the one, one scene. It has maybe? one or... the one
1: the one ridiculous. Oh yeah, again, I mean, it's
2: it's totally not even necessary. Like she just like takes
1: her bra down and then they're staring at her breasts and she's like you've you've this is it you're done for she takes her breasts out and like oh yeah look at that it's like no 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 when one of her people show you the breast it's a death sentence like that's how they justify it it's a threat so yeah it's yeah but that's leprechaun you you, you, look you buy into the formula or you don't but um no i'm glad i saw this though uh i i have This is a movie where it existed my whole life. I never knew it existed until you told me about it. Um, So it means that... You know what it means to me? It means there's hope, right? There's hope forever for all of us. That we too can still find new things in life to expect. Like, maybe tomorrow I'll find the love of my life, right? Maybe tomorrow I'll finally write the novel. Like, thank you, Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. You've proven that hope is possible. Like, there's always, tomorrow's a new day, and there's always a chance for greatness. There's always a chance you can make a dungeon gym
2: out of a new mall.
1: Exactly. Like, you know what? And if you, if you happen to be horribly burned, and your childhood home is raised and salted, and a commercial mall is built on top of it, then you too can enact your revenge by using pilfered Bowflex and uh, just killing expeditiously. And that's okay, because it's, you know what, you, you earned this. You, you deserve it, because you need your revenge, because it's right in the title. It's really hard to say things about this movie. <laughs> like, I'm trying. There, I, like, I am trying so hard. Like, like the, best, the best thing about the movie is the title, I think. It is. Um, again, but it, I, I will say this, final thoughts about Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. This is a movie that I wouldn't mind if it was remade. Like, uh, the concepts sound, because the concept is Phantom of the Opera, you know? Um, That's a great concept, right? But like you said, I actually wouldn't mind seeing this version of it remade, like a modernized, uh, schlocky thing. But you and I... Like a pastiche type of thing. Exactly. But, like, even the stuff you and I said would have made this movie a million times better. Like, just easily. And you you know how you get the budget for the... You know how you get the budget for the music... Don't hire Morgan Fairchild. Hire a lookalike. You don't it need... doesn't need Morgan Fairchild. No. Yet. You don't need... First of all, she's the mayor of the city. Why is... Why... She's the mayor. Why has she spent all her time in the mall? Don't you have a city to run? Yeah. You're in Los
2: Angeles. Yeah. And, and it breaks the Chekhov's gun rule, too, by the way. She pulls out a gun that
1: no one sees before. Exactly. That's the same yeah. as the dog. Like, they pulled out a dog. The dog didn't need that That penis. Dog Yeah. Yeah. They the dog out a gun. didn't eat that. I'm disappointed. If you're going to show me a dog and then show me a penis being severed, that dog needs to eat that penis. That's the rule. Same with the gun. It's Chekhov. Chekhov would be very disappointed. I hate this movie again. One star. Criterion collection, please. More like Walmart budget aisle. So, by the way. Not even Yeah, I would love to see this in a Walmart budget aisle. But it would be included in one of those sets of like 20 other movies. They just slap (laughs) it on. Like 20 classics. (laughs) Gets a wonderful (laughs) life. It's yeah. yeah, it's one of those. Um, DVDs are cheap now. Um, by the way, did you hear Best Buy is getting rid of them? No more DVDs in yeah, Blu-rays.
2: It's raise. very strange. I mean, because it's like, I don't think anyone who actually collects DVDs, which there are people who collect DVDs, myself included, I don't think any of them are shopping at Best Buy. I think they're shopping on, like, Online. Shot Factory and, yeah, and, like, Criterion and stuff. Like, the people who are, yeah, no one's going to Best Buy for DVDs. I think it's more so just Best Buy realizing that no one is going there you, for any reason. It's you, like people buy vinyl. No one's buying vinyl at, at um Amer- uh,
1: Urban Outfitters anymore. Actually, you know where people buy They're a buying, lot of vinyl at? It's crazy. You know what's really crazy though. You know who actually has a good vinyl selection? Walmart. Who? They do actually. And yeah. uh Barnes and Noble is Yeah, I mean, no one's going there to buy books, so you might as well buy something. But um Yeah, might as well buy. Uh, you know what? Final thought about the whole shebang is that uh I was talking about why they don't make movies like this anymore. And I think uh I've kind of known this, but I can't I can verbalize it. It's like there's no video stores. Like, one of the treats of the video stores is you happen upon it. Like, oh, I've never seen this great-looking box. You know the box is full of lies. That, there's no way the movie is going to look as cool as the box. Like, Return of the Living Dead had zombies with mohawks. Didn't happen in the movie. But it's, <laughs> but it's okay. Because by the time you got that VHS tape, you took it over the counter, you drove home, you make dinner, order a pizza, had your friend, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever over there. By the time you actually start watching the movie, you're too. You're not. You're not bringing it back. You're not like, oh damn, it did. Where's the zombies with the Mohawks? No, you're gonna watch it and you're gonna get something out of it. And maybe it's not what you wanted, but it's what you needed, right? And you can't do that with Shutter. Like, oh, because if if you watch something streaming and it sucks, you're. Oh, I'm clicking it off. I'm not gonna finish it. Unwatched, right? You can't do that. Like, you need that visceral, I need to flip through the box, see the funny tagline. You know, because every horror movie had a great box, a good tagline, and a really misleading summary on the back with screenshots. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. And you don't have that anymore. That's really hard to get discovered and, you know, to stand out
2: based on that. Not democratic anymore because now even if you go, I mean, I love Letterboxd, and Letterboxd Mm -hmm. does a good job in its own. For what it is, I mean, it's the best version out there of... You know, you can even upload your own box art. Um, you know, that's not the main one on the site if you have the the premium uh, pass.
1: Did but, you hear they got you sold? Know, I still think. See... Did you hear about this? What that? I think Letterbox the... got sold. Did you hear about this? No way. When? Yeah, got acquired by a company called Tiny uh, like three weeks ago. A tiny URL. Uh, I'm gonna have to they... figure it out, right? Oh. But um, I did. I read about it. Because like, I know you're a big fan of of Letterbox. Letterbox.
2: Yeah, I mean. Um, letterbox has a huge following like oh mm-hmm. yeah you're the only person who likes movies that i know that's not on letterbox by the oh,
1: way oh because i'm running a site with movies i'm just kidding i would love i would that's actually <laughs> I, I like i love i love the concept of letterbox and i read it i i'm not that good of a movie i like talking about it but um yeah yeah
2: but well, yeah. well there is now you can if you're a for with the with the website and the podcast, you can actually have, there's a certain type of account now called an HQ account hmm. where a lot of like movie podcasts have their own account on there and like you can kind of put your playlist of like what you just talked about in recent episodes and people who listen can follow you and like kind of, it's it's kind of like a
1: synergy thing. That's cool. It's really cool. I, I follow a couple of podcasts on there too. It's uh well, they're kind of like people compare them to Goodreads for books but for movies and I think that's apt. I think that's a, a yeah. fair way because. very apt. Yeah. Because, um, I will say this movie companies do make it very, very, very hard for you to like amalgamate stuff. I mean, sometimes people would go to Amazon reviews for that sort of thing. You know, they would go to, um, you know, they'd go to like YouTube comments. Like there's just, there was no centralized place where people can just focus. Like IMDB got bought out by Amazon. They ruined it, you know? So hopefully whatever happens to Letterboxd, they keep it kind of the way it is and maybe make it better. But I I, I hope so. Like I, I, yeah so we'll see uh yeah maybe i'll join. maybe I'll, I'll look into it so you may have clued me into something that i was missing like like yeah, you clued me I into know. like you clued me into phantom of the mall so don't worry i'm not, you, you, can, yeah, you can make it up to me later
2: <laughs> yeah this movie is not good
1: yeah but it's 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 definitely a movie right like i think we could both agree you that, could say you saw it yeah exactly i mean I, I definitely say it's a movie. I could definitely say I saw it. So that's two things that I couldn't say last week. So but uh but Ethan, I think uh I think I'm schlocked out. What about you? Like okay, that same, yeah. Schlocked out. By the way, it's schlock, it's not a curse word, so you don't have to block it out. Uh, and with that, yeah. yeah, I wanna I say this was a pretty good uh pre-Halloween uh talk about it. So once again, this has been the Movie Time, Movie Time podcast from your pals over at Popzara. Usually it's, what is it? What do we usually do? We do Shocktober, or now it's Schlocktober. Uh, clearly, okay. clearly we're gaming the, the Halloween SEO stuff, and we're proud We're proud of the exploitation. Uh, talked about four very, very interesting schlocky movies. 1986's Troll, 1996's Leprechaun for In Space, 1989's Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, and Ethan's favorite, 1987 Street Trash, soon to be remade, weird, kind of looking forward to it. Ethan, good picks. Well, even the bad one, good pick. And so any no, final thoughts for too. Halloween?
2: No, uh, just go trick-or-treating safely. Or Take hand
1: treat. out candy. Yeah, don't eat hand candy. Hand out the, can't, has the been unwrapped. Yes. Um, then don't do that. Yeah. yeah, if you're handing out candy, hand out the good stuff, because if you get a reputation for handing out the bad stuff, no one's going to call when they see smoke come out of your mirrors, because you earned. You deserve everything that's coming to you. And don't put yeah, no more bars, guys. Oh, uh, bananas are not candy. Apples are not candy, by the way. I don't care who told you that. Lies. Lies. Crunch no- bars are not candy, by the way. And candy corn sucks. Don't do that. No, just stop. And sweet tarts. I know it's the cheapest candy they sell oh, at Walmart, yeah. but don't no, do that.
2: Don't do that. Smarties? No, we don't want Smarties, man.
1: They taste like medicine. Get some
2: chocolate or Skittles.
1: Yeah. Oh, and if you are a parent, watch out for anything with hazelnut because it turns out a lot of people are hazelnut allergic. So just be careful. Same with peanuts. But, but you know, sometimes you just got to bite in and, and take a chance. You got to taste the rainbow, and maybe the rainbow leads out to of the hospital. <laughs> or Phantom of the Mall. Phantom of the Mall. Um, I will say this, though. I don't know if I would show my 10-year-old son if I had one street trash yet. Probably show him no. maybe when he's 15. Probably show him troll. I think you're right. Trolls, I think of all these movies... We said we we're going to rank them, but I think Troll is the best gateway. Um, but I think we both uh, agree that Leprechaun, Foreign Space, and Street Trash are very, very good. And I both you'd yeah, probably right. skip Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, if you if you absolutely didn't have time. Unless you're unless you're a completist, yeah. A Polly Shore completist or a Morgan Fairchild completist. Oh, yeah. I, Morgan Fairchild completist. You know, she was big. She was a thing. She was a thing... She even did those commercials yeah. for, I think, Old Navy a long time ago, too. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. The, yeah, there are Kurosawa completists, and there are Morgan Fairchild completists. Which one are you? Uh, what day of the week is it? <laughs> it's, you know what, though? Everyone needs a goal. And if you're a Morgan Fairchild completist, then you will accomplish that goal in your lifetime. In fact, you will accomplish that goal by next Tuesday... If you are that. So you can mm-hmm. you have something to live for, positive reinforcement, easy, low hanging fruit, but you can say you did it. How many people can say that? Not no, too many. Yeah. Not too many people. Not many. But many people can say, Happy Halloween, everybody, for twenty twenty three, stay safe, get some good candy, go see your dentist afterwards. Uh, replacement teeth are cheaper than ever, dentures are cheap, so don't be afraid of losing a few teeth that can be replaced. Uh Ethan? Thank you very much. Hopefully your kids have a good Halloween. Everybody has a happy Halloween, and we will see everybody you too. next year.
3: Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Pop Zara Podcast. Remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or service.